Breaking news on Staten Island. A large group of residents are blocking a bus that's carrying migrants on Father Capadano Boulevard and Midland Avenue in Midland Beach. Several police units were called in to respond to the crowds blocking traffic. You would think uh, that there were terrorists here. I count 300 cops standing, blocking us, threatening to arrest us. There's 50 police cars treating the citizens of Staten Island as if they're criminals. This is a disgrace. My next guest, I know her pretty well. I should, I guess. I cut the umbilical cord when he came out of her mom. All the way back on April 7th of 2004, on a snowy morning at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And then we took her home to Tenafly, New Jersey, and then you know the rest of the story. 19 years later, my daughter's done a lot of pretty amazing stuff. My daughter is about to go to year two, and she did uh, very, very well. Year one, very well. I'm very proud of her. I love her. I think she's going to miss me. She wants to see her daddy do his thing, because I am the best. It's my daughter, Ava. You said word. Yes. <laughs> that means you agree with that. Yes, I do agree. Really? I, I thought you would have said that. Don't say that. Or You're extremely talented. <laughs> and just because I don't agree on all of the content doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge true talent. He didn't have to wake up Even up all night Lying there in bed and listening to his newborn baby cry He makes a pot of coffee And splashes water on his face His wife gives him a kiss And says it's gonna be okay It won't be like this For long One day we'll look back laughing At the week we brought her Four years later, about 4.30, she's crawling in their bed, and when he drops her off at preschool, she's clanging to his leg. The teacher appears. 
for him He says, what can I do? She says, now don't you worry This will only last a week or two It won't be like this for long One day soon you'll drop her off And she won't even know you're gone This phase is gonna fly by If you can just hold on It won't be like this for long Wait, Darius Rucker, formerly Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish, but Gary is a big country solo star these days. You know, a great song right here talking about a special father-daughter relationship. name of this uh, song is It Won't Be Like This For Long, and my dear, dear friend Corey Zelnick, who I love like a brother, introduced this song to me years ago. He's got a beautiful daughter, a little older than Ava, his daughter Bailey, who is set to graduate Maryland. She's a terrapin coming up um, next year, I think. And uh, years ago, I, I forget exactly why there was something with me and Ava. And Corey said, you got to hear this song. And he's right. It, um, it's a beautiful song. And it dates all the way back to preschool. I remember driving Ava to pre-pre-pre-preschool, even before nursery, this little place in New Jersey. We lived in Tenafly by the George Washington Bridge to her days at uh, Addison Academy and the JCC and Boca Raton. Those late nights playing tennis with Rick Macy. And if you ever saw the movie King Richard with Will Smith, he won the Academy Award for that. You know the rest, him and uh, Chris Rock. But in that movie, King Richard takes his daughter, Serena and Venus, to a very prominent tennis center in Boca Raton, and this guy, Rick Macy, actually teaches them. And my daughter, Ava, trained with the same guy. He lived about 15, excuse me, his uh, place was about 15 minutes away from our home in Boca. And I would drive Ava back and forth every day, every night. And she played for a long time, and she became a great tennis player. In fact, when we moved back to New York in 2016, we were freaking out. Of course, she needed a place to play tennis. So I reached out to my friend Pat McEnroe, and we enrolled her on Wendell's Island at John McEnroe's Tennis Center. And uh, eventually, living in New York City, all those great years of tennis and the hundreds, literally, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that me and Danielle spent on it, Ava decided one day, that uh, she had enough of tennis, and her new sport in New York was going to be Starbucks. Yeah, just sit in Starbucks, hang out with her friends, and talk, and that was that. But um, she has managed to excel. We pulled her out of Florida, put her in New York, put her in a, in a school in Brooklyn, Joseph Lamb on Avenue U, and then put her in a school in New York City, and we didn't make it easy for her. But she managed to do extremely well. And got into Cardiff in Wales, which is a great, great institution. Mind you, she does her undergraduate law program in three years, which means year four, she can already take the bar. Unlike here, we have to go for four years, law school, all of that. She's already taking the same classes year one and two in Cardiff. 
but it's a beautiful little country. It's a 90-minute fast train ride from London. So the good news is I can get there, and about the same time I can get to Los Angeles. It's about six hours. But the bad news is it's six hours. <laughs> it ain't Florida State. You got it to Florida State, too. I could be there in two and a half, and, of course, it's the same country. She's in a completely different country these days. So she came home April the 28th, and it was a, a crazy summer. You guys who listen every day remember when she got really sick back in May and June, and the left side of her face was actually paralyzed for the majority of the summer. You remember that, Lou and Noam, and we were scared to death, me and Danielle. I mean, it was bad. I mean, she would smile, and only one part of her lip would move. Only one eye would close. And she's beautiful, Ava. I, I, I hear all the time she looks exactly like Danielle, and that's a compliment, trust me. She's a beautiful young lady, but this was bad. So we had some uh, ups and downs over the summer. She came home. We were still living in that apartment in Battery Park, and she was here for the move back to our home in Bell Harbor. But uh, yesterday at about 5 o'clock, my man Gene, who drove me to work this morning and dropped off my cell phone yesterday, about 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon, my man Gene pulled up to the front of my house. And then we had to load the car. And at 5.15, she were gone on her way to Kennedy Airport. And going back to school. And she, uh, you know, when she's in New York, she's got a regular cell phone. But as soon as she gets to Europe, because it becomes so expensive, she's mandated to use WhatsApp. <laughs> so I got a WhatsApp message at 3.33 this morning from Heathrow Airport in beautiful London that she had landed. And we've spoken twice since. So, I know people say, don't cry, and this is a great thing. F you. Seriously. <laughs> shut up. Forget Just that. shut the F up. Forget that today. I know it's a great thing. I'm proud of her. I visited her twice last year. I love Wales. I love London. I say this all the time. If I had to move someplace else, assuming there was a thirst, and there probably is, for a relatively, because I'm not a strict conservative, for a relatively conservative host in London, I'd move there tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's New York. It's the same. Difference is no guns, no crime, no pee and duty on the street. You've got the financial section. You've got the theater section. It's gorgeous. I'd move there tomorrow. But that's not happening. And while... All these moments in our kids' lives are great. Gabriel started high school a couple of weeks ago, and this is a lot of nachis. My daughter graduating at the graduating, finishing her first year at the top of her class. That's how, that's unbelievable. And going back for year two, anyone who says it's good, it's great, doesn't have kids. It's brutal. I stood and watched that taxi pull away like I was never going to see her again. You know, like those old movies when the lady's on the train and the guy is standing there and he ends up running to chase the train and runs into a pole. <laughs> that I could see you doing. Yeah, that would have been me. Hit a hole or something and trip. 
So I go to bed and I wake up this morning and, you know, I'm just trying to get, we've got a great show today. We've got great guests. It's going to be a great show. But every morning I tiptoe around my bedroom and bathroom not to wake up Danielle, Gabe, and Ava because I'm not selfish. And I'm up this morning, for example, at 3.18, 15 minutes before she landed. But what happens is when I walk outside my bedroom, Gabriel has his bedroom upstairs like a penthouse suite. And the bedroom right outside mine is Ava's. And every morning for the last couple of months, that door is closed because she's sleeping like most normal people. And this morning that door was open because she wasn't there. And I cried again. <laughs> so I uh, I spoke to a lady named uh, Alexandra a couple days ago. She invited me to this wonderful dinner in New York City. You guys know Hope Picks, right? Hope Picks, a very a Donald Trump employee and beautiful girl, beautiful. And she's uh, she was at some dinner with a bunch of other folks in New York last night. And I was invited to go to that dinner. They have all these high-powered people this week, the U.N., having these major dinners. I know my friend John Katsimatidis probably has a great dinner every night. In fact, I got a text last night from Sergio Gore. Sergio was uh, the guy that got Donald Trump on this show two weeks ago. He's one of Trump's best buddies. He's Trump's publisher. And Gore is like, I'm with Katz. Where are you? I'm like, I wasn't invited. (laughs) And plus, I don't go out on weeknights. But long story short, this lady, Alexandra, who invited me to this great dinner, she works with Nigel Farage. And Nigel is a very, very, very popular U.K. radio host. You've heard him on this show many times, Katz's show. And if you love Donald Trump, you love Nigel. So I texted Suzanne and I said, listen, Ava's going to be in London tomorrow. This is yesterday. Can I get Nigel to come on? Because at least if Nigel comes on, I could talk to somebody else in London knowing my daughter is there. I have no other reason. None. So she booked him. <laughs> so Nigel Farage will join me at 930 this morning. So there you have it. Ava, good luck. I know she's not listening. She's five hours ahead in London right now. And she's having breakfast somewhere by Buckingham Palace. So just know that uh, Mommy and Daddy and Gabe, we will miss you. We love you. We're proud of you. And I'll talk to you later on today. And I said that knowing she's not listening. So how does that make sense? Uh, no. Does that make any sense? I, I'm right there with you. you know, my, <laughs> m- my kid left this, you know, after spending the summer at home. And uh, it's horrible. Like I go into his room. He's got like his Man U posters on the wall and giant posters. And it's that kid's bedroom. But I realize he's not really going to come back there, you know, just for to hang out once in a while. It's sad. It's terrible. Well, that's how I feel about Ava. I don't even know if she's going to move back to the States. You know, she talks about she loves California. So no matter how no matter how this shakes out, it looks like she's going to be six hours away, whether it's England or California. So I look at her bedroom, too, like I did this morning and started to cry again. I get the same feeling, Norman. What is the only time in all the years we worked together, and I love Bernie. I still love him, and I miss him. Good man. But the only time I really wanted to punch Bernard across the face, God rest his soul, was when he tried to, he was being a nice, he was being nice. He was trying to calm me down about Ava going to college, and he was trying to sell me what a good thing it was. And while, of course, he's right, 100% right, 
that morning, I really wanted to punch him across the face. <laughs> and this morning, I wanted to do it again. Right. But he said, I can't do it. I wish no. he was here because maybe today I would do it. <laughs> I'm so sick of people telling all oh, no, these different phases of life. It's all good. This is nonsense. It is brutal. My daughter's in another country. You know, I remember diapering her like, yeah, in fact, my wife didn't know how to diaper a baby. Now, my wife's a great mother, a great mother. Seriously. But when Ava was born, I did all the diapering. And let me tell you something. <laughs> Little babies like that, they go projectile. <laughs> I got hit in the face more than once. <laughs> more than once. And now she's in a different country. Don't tell me it's all great, you idiot. God. But I have to say that the audience is so beautiful because I put a picture up uh, right in front of the cab. Literally 15 minutes before Ava left. On my Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, and Sid Rosenberg Facebook page. And the amount of listeners, and I don't mean just, you know, the everyday folks, the Olgas, the Patties, and I hate doing that because I leave so many important people out. So, so many. Don't do it then. Well, I just did. Just I just named two people. Okay, but cool. You can name them. It was overwhelming. It's been overwhelming, I should say. The amount of people that say beautiful things about my daughter. And I really, really appreciate it. I want you guys to know that. it's, And this is what uh, I wanted to do from the very beginning. I did not want to come to New York and just do a news political radio show. I didn't want to do it. I wanted from day one to create a community. And I explained to program director and program director, Chad got it. He was like the only one that if we come on and do a show like Fox News, which we did for many years, we're going to get threes, which we did for many years. But if you build a community and people feel like they're part of the family, which they are, you get sixes, which we do. And that was my goal, to make this bigger, bigger than just I love Trump, I don't like Adams, I don't like Hochul, I don't like Biden, I don't like Jeffries and Nadler. I love, that was never going to be right for me, never. And I've proven my point, I think. Well, I know I have. I've proven my point. And when you see that overwhelming amount of love and support from this audience, it makes you feel good, and it tells you you're doing something right. I mean, look, how many shows today are going to play these Joe Biden cuts from the U.N. yesterday and go on and on about how unfit this man is? And it's true. Justin put one cut in the open I have no idea what the hell Biden was talking about. And, of course, neither does he. <laughs> but you listen to him just speak. It is scary. This is the free leader of the world. This is, you can make the argument, the most powerful man in the world. And he can't even finish a sentence. He's shot. He's corrupt. He's a creep. He's a criminal. And he's shot. Who speaks like this? Who does that? I want to hear this. I want to hear Biden blaming Russia for the Ukraine war. Duh. No, really? That's Russia's fault? You mean when Putin invaded Ukraine, <laughs> that's Russia's fault? Oh, he's on top of it. But I want to hear how he says it. So this is Joe Biden live at the U.N. yesterday, cut number one. And this is why when Nigel Farage comes on at 930, live from London, he's going to tell you why other leaders around the world and hosts laugh. Joe Biden, cut number one. 
Russia alone, Russia alone bears responsibility for this war. Yeah. Russia alone has the power to end this war immediately. And it's Russia alone that stands in the way of peace because the Russia's price for peace Watch this. is Ukraine's capitulation, uh-huh. wow. Ukraine's territory, <laughs> Stop. and Ukraine's children. Yeah. All that. How do you get that word? <laughs> I know. I was shocked. You know, capitulation, capitulation. too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I was wrong about Somebody this wrote whole that time. one. <laughs> uh, you know, he's on top of it. He's all over it. All right. So we got a huge show coming up today. My good buddy, he's on after me, 10 o'clock every morning here on ABC. Mr. Fox and Friends and One Nation, Brian Kilmeade. He'll be here at 645. The great Curtis Sliwa. He told me. A wild, wild scene on Staten Island last night. You don't want to miss this. Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7.05. Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor. He'll be here at 7.40. Former Congressman Peter King, one of the all-time greats. He'll be here at 8.40. And, yes, we go across the pond where Ava is this morning and speak to big-time U.K. radio star Nigel Farage. He's coming up at 9.30. Yes, Darius Rucker. Ava. Go get him, kid. And his face is gonna fly by. So he's trying to hold on. Yeah, there won't be like this for long. Yeah, there won't be like this for Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. even now about Ava in that first segment. So thank you so much. You know, I can play a lot of this Biden stuff. You went yesterday talking about serious topics, Russia, Ukraine, this nonsense about climate change. I'm begging you, stop. Please stop. My God. All the issues you've got in the world today and these morons uh, stuck on climate change. You really can't even make this up. He talked about Iran yesterday. He talked about green energy. He talked about China. So he brought up some pretty important topics, obviously. 
but he stumbled and mumbled, like Joe Pesci would say in Goodfellas, like a little prick throughout the whole speech. I worry about you, <laughs> Biden. <laughs> he was a mess. Yeah, he brought it up, but then he, he didn't go any further. He, he was, was a mess. So rather than uh, play some of the topics, it doesn't mean anything. I want you to hear, because there's got to be somebody in this audience, if 80 million people, 80 million, really voted for Joe Biden, there's got to be somebody listening right now of the tons of listeners I've got that voted for this man. So I want you to listen. This is the guy that you voted for. This is the guy that not only put us in the horrible situation both at home and around the world we're in, but this is the guy you're banking on to get us out of it. Okay? Just take a listen. This is uh, Joe Biden cut number 11 during his U.N. speech. This, mother effers, is the guy you voted for. Now, even as we evolve our institutions huh? and drive creative new <laughs> partnerships, let me be clear. Yeah, clear. Certain principles of our international system are <laughs> yeah. sacrosanct. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 like 75% of the words you said there were, were incoherent. And this one, he goes on to say something twice and has no idea why he even said it once. This is Joe Biden, cut number 12. Simply put, the 21st century, 21st century results uh, are badly needed. They're needed to move us along. Yeah. That starts with the United Nations. Uh-huh. I love how he like. Yeah, at the end, he got all confident. Yeah, that yeah. starts. Uh, yeah. You know, I what, saw a quote yesterday. What that, did he mean? I don't know what he means. Uh, that's your guy. So there's a guy named Isaac Krinsky. And um, I may know him, I may not. I, I'm embarrassed to say this because he's been sending me emails for a long time with some very good show content. So he knows, of course, that I love Howard Stern. Everybody knows uh, I can't stand Howard's politics. I think uh, more than often he sounds really stupid, like really stupid. And he's angry and, you know, he's become Hollywood and turned his back on the blue-collar people that made him billions of dollars. I get all that. Hanging out with George Stephanopoulos, living in the Hamptons. He's annoying and he's a backstabber. What he's done to Trump is not even right. It's not right. I get all that. I get it. But if you really think I'm great at this, and a lot of you do, then there are two guys you need to thank for that. I'm Mr. Stern, because I'm here to tell you, flat out, I've stolen all of it from them. All of it. There's nothing new in radio. Anybody who thinks they're coming on the air today, some young, doopy kid at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, who thinks they're about to revolutionize radio, is an idiot. It's all been done. It's all been done. So... The idea is you put your own spin on what's been done. And why not ape or mimic the greats? Maybe you like Bob Grant. Maybe you like Imus or Stern. Stern is the greatest radio talk show host by a distance. He blows the rest of Imus Limbaugh. Don't even embarrass yourself. So I could appreciate him for that, even though I hate his politics. Then there were times I shut the show off because he just sounds really ignorant and stupid. But yesterday he went through this whole thing about how he's woke and he loves it. Noam, you could appreciate that. You're a big Howard Stern guy like yeah, me. I love Stern. You still love him. Yeah, of course. I mean, you're a liberal too, so you're on the same boat. But you could imagine a guy like me uh, to admit publicly I still love him takes a lot of balls, right? 
you know, you know, if you like an entertainer, I don't really care what their politics well, are. Well, no, it does. But he gets he gets vicious. He did say at one point a couple of years ago that all Trump supporters should die. That's a bit much, no? It's a bit much. Uh, yeah, well, of course, that's <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah, right, that's right. more than a bit much. Right. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So yesterday he's going on and on about how he's woke and he's happy he's woke. <laughs> okay. Swear to God. Let's grab this audio. This is courtesy of uh, Sirius XM, the Howard Stern show yesterday. Goes on to tell you, damn right I'm woke, Mother Evan. And I'm glad I am. And here's why. I hear that oh, a lot, geez. that I'm, I'm not good anymore because I'm woke. I, I, my whole career I've well, been hearing. Well, maybe Metamucil is woke. Stop eating it. Yeah. By the way, I kind of take that as a compliment that I'm woke. I'll tell you how I um, feel about it. To me, the opposite of woke is being asleep. And if woke means I can't get behind Trump, which is what I think it means, or that I support people who want to be transgender or I'm for the vaccine, dude, call me woke as you want. I'm not for stupidity. You know, I ran out Friday morning. I was over at CVS. Thank you, CVS. I went over there 9 a.m. and got myself that new vaccine for COVID. Science, this country is so great. But I am woke, mother, and I love it. I want to be awake. I want to read legitimate news sources. Here's how woke I am. I believe the election was not rigged. So I'm woke, man. I'm I think that's a compliment. Here's how woke I am. I believe the election was not rigged. <laughs> Gotta like that. So here's a person. He doesn't care. He's making billions of dollars. All of us wish we had the life of Stern. What does he care? But he's embracing being woke. To me, if somebody called me woke, I'd probably jump off a building and kill myself. I can't think of something worse. I'd rather be called the K-word, which is a derogatory term for Jews. I swear to God, than being woke. I can't imagine anything worse than being described as woke. And Howard Stern says, bring it on, baby. That's me. We'll get to uh, a lot more. Five great guests. I'm sure folks will want to talk about what Howard said yesterday. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. YC. This is Sid on Sports. Oh Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTechlist.com, find a dealer near you. Pete Morgan's back from Greece. Is he now? I'm already hitting him up for Ranger tickets. Yeah, oh, really? yeah I already did That's a couple early. of games. You're looking forward to it, huh? Ranger hockey, baby, let's go. They're going to be uh, solid again. They should be at least. They should be very good. Yeah, they should be very good. Yeah. So we'll see. He sent me a couple pictures from Greece. It looked really nice. Oh, gorgeous. Oh, yeah, it's great. Gorgeous. Ooh. Yeah. 
They'll be good until the Boston Bruins shut oh, up. Start playing. Hey, listen, Ooh, let's get scared. Let, let, let me pull up Joe Beningo. How did your goddamn team do? The yeah. Islanders. How did They're that go? Exactly the same as your team. Right. The exact team. It wasn't the same. Twenty nine other teams Kinda. did the exact same. Well, team. but it was, but, oh, your, yes, but your did. team had no excitement. It was boring. One, At least my team had Patty Kane. Your team had no parade, and neither did the Islanders. You're right about that. that. What are we talking about? The Bruins? Uh, they, they they screwed the pooch more than anybody. Else. Right. That's right. They and lost round. That's my them. boy Vinny <laughs> Viola, Florida Panthers, baby. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're in the NFL season now. <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah. Not, not really. The Giants <laughs> and the Jets. It's over. That's true. Well, okay. Settle down. I mean, the Giants. Are going to get beat so badly tomorrow night, it's going to be like uh, Farrah Fawcett in the burning bed. Ten-point underdogs. Man, no that's Saquon. some reference. Yeah, thank you very much. You're <laughs> not going to take that ten-point line, are you? Uh, I don't know. That's a lot of points. <laughs> that's a lot of points. Yeah. yeah. The doctors are going to be standing over your table one day. <laughs> How did this guy function? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. my brain, oh I know. God. Got synapses all over the this place. Thing is they don't mush. even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's the burning bed. <laughs> uh, but the Giants, they're in action Thursday night. So uh, you got to look forward to that. That's tomorrow night, San Francisco. Do you know that the coach, Brian Dable, said yesterday that he thinks Saquon Barkley may play? What? Yeah. In the game? He has made an unbelievable improvement uh, in the last 24 hours. He was out for four to six weeks. According to Dable last night, he may play tomorrow. Who is he, Clark Kent? <laughs> automatically healing? My God. Oh, he got one of those replacement ankles. Yeah, yes. especially with his injury history. What are we doing rushing Saquon Barkley back? That's a great idea. I'm sure that'll work out well. On the, on, as for the Jets, they're two-and-a-half-point dogs Sunday afternoon at home against the New England Patriots. On the diamond, the Yankees lose 7-1. to one. They'll try and rebound uh, in the middle game of their series with the Toronto Blue Jays set for tonight at 7.05 p.m. As for the Mets, they lose as well 4-3 to to the Marlins in Miami. They'll try and uh, salvage the finale tonight uh, set for 6.40 p.m. in Miami. Kodai Senga getting a start there. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal in there. Yep, they're the world's best built boilers. And I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Where I come from isn't all that great. My automobile is a piece of crap. My fashion sense is a little whack and my friends. Wednesday morning on your favorite talk show, not just in New York, but your favorite morning show around the country. How do I know? Well, the ratings say it. Sitting friends in the morning right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And not just me, the whole station is doing great. The whole station. And I'm honored to have a guy on after me every morning on this station that is a media rock star. He really is. It's on Fox and Friends every morning on Fox News. Has his own show now, 9 p.m. after Mark Levin, Saturday nights on Fox News, called One Nation. Great show. I used to be on uh, quite a bit, but he stopped inviting me. And, uh, of course, he hosts his own radio show right after me, 10 a.m. every weekday morning, right here on WABC, the pride of Long Island, Massapequa specifically, the very handsome Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, Brian. How proud are you of Brookhaven? To say, New York City, we'll take your statues. We'll take your founding fathers. Uh, we know they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You are. 
Uh, but you know what? Without George Washington, we don't have a city. We don't have a country. And now they're looking to take out five new George Washington statues out of New York. They took Jefferson out of City Hall. What is wrong with these people? I don't know, but I am very proud of Brookhaven. And it's ironic you would say that because one of my favorite pieces of sound, which I've already played on this show today, I'm going to play it again, is my hero, Howard Stern. Yes, he's still my hero. He's a complete woke jerk-off. I get it. Trust me. But he's the best by miles in the history of this industry. And I still enjoy him every now and then. But he was yesterday going on and on about how comfortable he is being called woke. He goes, you know, people say I'm not good anymore because I'm woke. He goes, you're damn right I'm woke. The opposite of woke is asleep. And here's Brookhaven and Oyster Bay spitting in the face of Howard Stern saying, no, no, no. Woke is not a good thing. We are not woke. And that's why they've stepped up and done the right thing here with these statues. So as much as I love Howard, he's the bad guy. Brookhaven and Oyster Bay, Brian. They're the good guys. I mean, I feel the same way about Howard Stern. I mean, I was out in Los Angeles, and I would be getting up early, and I'd be listening to the New York feed at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and then it would turn around at 6, and i watch him take over all these markets when he was on, like we are now, on Terrestrial. And uh, I don't recognize the show, and I listen to it now. He'd rather hang out with Jimmy Kimmel than be with the average person. And the thing about Howard Stern, he was always like, I know much more talented, but he was always like the average person. He was tapped into that. Uh, if you look at the people that show up at his events, they're blue collar. They're not the uh, the elites. I'm not saying that uh, that, that no rich people like him, but he's totally changed. But uh, no, no, you're I'm right. not, when, when and you it just no. reinforces that uh, I'm, I'm we're in the right lane. Right. When you say no rich people like him, it was amazing all those years. For the better part of 18 years, I worked back and forth with Imus. And, uh, you know, of course, they had their war for, for many, many years and still do. But you're right in that Imus was the guy who had the guy making 300000 the guy that, you know, was trading on Wall Street, the congressman, even the president. And Howard had the guy making 50000 a year. So the way you depicted Howard is, uh, is exactly right. And he even said yesterday, too, by the way, if being woke means I'm not for Donald Trump, I'm all for it, which is really sad when you consider that Howard Stern is only, I think, eight years away from saying on his own radio show, the best guest I have consistently is Donald Trump. And he has spent the last couple of years stabbing Trump in the back. He hates him. That's why he loves being woke. Just unbelievable how many people Hillary Clinton used to love Trump. Oprah Winfrey loved Trump. He's got a new book out. He talks about all these people, letters to Trump, that loved him. And as soon as he came down the escalator and stood for what was right, they hated him that day. And Howard Stern is one of those folks. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're doing this thing on Fox called, you know, we have that who is, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, whoever's in the news, you know, we'll, we'll do it. Like, who is that person? Give you a perspective on who they are. And we did Trump, and I'm hosting it, and I did Trump yesterday. And it's it's four parts. And it's unbelievable what he's done in his career. This guy's been been making news since he's maybe 25. Uh, going into the rail yards, cutting deals with banks, going down to Atlantic City, doing what he did, uh, losing everything, then coming all the way back, the sensational divorces, uh, the breakups, and now he's back, and he's got the towers, and he gets the apprentice, and now he uh, segues into the presidency. You've never seen a guy with a life like this. You've never seen someone consequential. But, Sid, and I'm so glad you brought this up, because Christine Welker interviewed him on Sunday, and I'm watching this and saying, I don't know why Trump does this, because I don't know what he gets out of it. 
And then guess what? She is getting blowback for interviewing the leading guy to get the Republican nomination, who was president of the United States. They're saying boycott Welker and meet the press <laughs> because she interviewed yeah. Howard Stern. Yeah. Do you believe this? Uh, Trump, yeah, but it's the same thing uh, that uh, CNN went through when that young lady, um, she's so forgettable, you know, she's on 9 o'clock at night, but I forgot her name, and, and she got blowback, too, when people sat at their desk at CNN and started crying, and actually Chris Lick got fired after CNN did that interview with Trump, and you're right, now NBC, Kristen Welker's first day on the job replacing Chuck Todd, and she's getting the same thing, but... You know, Trump gets the credit, man. He doesn't care whether it's CNN, NBC. He'll go anywhere. Nothing scares Donald Trump. And I'll tell you what, if Donald Trump was president and he was in New York for the week of the U.N., like this creep is now, Joe Biden, and he knows what's going on. He actually said on my show two weeks ago, quote, New York today looks like Bangladesh. That's a quote from Donald Trump. I can guarantee you whether he likes or despises, which he may, the mayor of this city, Donald Trump would find the time to meet with him. This is a slap in the face to the mayor who who deserves this because he has called himself for years the Biden of Brooklyn. And now Biden is treating the mayor like a little bitch. How about that, Eric? Yeah, I, I, I I can't believe it. I mean, you would think that there would be somebody in the Biden camp to say, listen, you don't need a mayor turning against you. He's hitting you every other day. Just go meet with him. Quiet down. Get a message. Tell him whatever you want to tell him. Instead, he totally blows him off and goes to what the a fundraiser for uh, put on by the actors and supporters of Broadway. He's doing another fundraiser today and he's talking about climate change. I mean, when are the American people going to step up and tell all these Democrats enough with climate change? We we understand it. We're going to try to burn cleaner energy and gas when we can. But that is not a priority. And all they do is talk about that. And you have way, not only, a, a not, not only the, 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 five not just, alarm fire here. Not just talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it a step further. As you know, Brian, I'm not breaking news to you. Not just talk about it. But he has said on multiple occasions, forget about al-Qaeda, forget about ISIS, forget about World War Three possibilities in Taiwan and Poland. Right now, this climate issue is the most dangerous we've got in the world today. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I was over at the U.N. and there was all these protests there for climate change. How dare you use fossil fuels? And I'm thinking and they were in front of Fox yesterday. And I'm saying to myself, do you guys even have a job? Can you imagine noon on a Tuesday going, honey, I'm tired of, I'm tired of watching the Brady Bunch. Can you get me that sign and some oak tag? I'm going to make a sign and protest against fossil fuels. And by the way, let's fire up the car, get some gas, and I'll drive down there. Or we could fly to Los Angeles on the jet fuel, unless you could do it with fly there with corn. What I loved about Trump, and I think this is smart with great instincts, he's all over this UAW strike. And it makes this climate change feeds into it. His push for electric cars has alienated the auto workers because you take 40 percent less workers to build an electric car. They're building them out of these union states. They're building them in, you know, in Nashville. And and the wages, they're taking away jobs from the combustion engine people, those horrible people that that make cars that you and I drive. And now, all of a sudden, they're telling Joe Biden, we don't want to hear from you. We're not going to endorse you. Well, think about it. So Trump's going there next week, and he's going to have a big speech there. 
And he gets a lot of blue collar. Remember, he won by, I guess, percentage points in 2016. He lost by one or two points in 2020. You take Michigan, you take the country. And I'm telling you, I don't care what leadership says. Leadership puts Trump down all the time. But the workers don't. No, they don't. And Anthony Scaramucci, who hates Donald Trump's guts these days, wrote a book many years ago called The Blue Collar President. And whether it's this trip that you're talking about with the strike or, or don't forget, way before Joe Biden and or Pete Buttigieg went to East Palestine, Ohio, there was Donald Trump. What's more blue collar than that? And by the way, when you look at the graph of when exactly, when exactly Donald Trump started to really move in the right direction, it was before that first Alvin Bragg indictment. It was the day he went to East Palestine, Ohio. That's when America said he cares more about us because on that same day, Joe Biden was taking pictures with Zelensky in the Ukraine. So one more on Biden. I had uh, Jack Keane on yesterday. We were talking about uh, this uh, Iran deal, you know, this nonsense, $6 billion. And he said, listen, you know, Sid, way back when Barack Obama wanted this to be Nixon's China, he was going to make friends with this country, even though this country hates the West and wants to destroy Israel. And, of course, we know that never happened. They never complied, that ridiculous deal that Obama and John Kerry put together. Now this president takes over. He's not in D.C. for a week. He wants to revive the deal. And now he gives these animals $6 billion and announces it, mind you, from Alaska on 9-11. How tone-deaf and stupid is this president? And I guess, tell me it's unrelated. The Taliban took about 10 of our guys yesterday and some aid workers. And uh, by the way, tell me if this is uh, related. The Wall Street Journal reporter Gershowitz was told, you go back to prison. Uh, your your chance for a quick trial are over. Tell me that's not all related. How about this? The U.N. ambassador from Israel arrested yesterday when he went out with the Iranian uh, people protesting this Iranian government. They detained the U.N. ambassador to from Israel. Think about that for a second. Uh, and so today, the president will meet with Netanyahu. This is the longest I think any president has waited to meet with the uh, Israel leader. So they, they're they going to meet today for the first time. The way Israel gets the Heisman, Iran gets courted. Uh, it's uh, it's the world is upside down uh, two and a half years. And that's just it. I mean, I, I, I find people instead of saying. You know, I don't know about this Obamacare. It doesn't seem to work. I, you know, we used to have those, those those are the good old days, these debates. Social security reform. I don't think we should have private accounts. Oh, that's wrong. Okay. Those were the good old days, those debates. You know, what about stem cell research? Oh, I think it's wrong. I think it's necessary. Those were the good old days. Now we're talking about idiocy and normalcy. Just idiocy. Does it make sense to take six million people from other countries without background checks and just put them into your country? And then just house them for money we don't have while we ring up $33 trillion in debt. Is it right to leave our allies out to dry while we kiss up to our enemies and pretend that China is not a competitor and an enemy? And we, we don't want to be, a, we don't want another Cold War with you. Well, they have one with us. I just can't believe what we're dealing with now. It is hard to believe. So in the final 60 seconds, another great conversation, Brian. Thank you. Uh, One Nation, now 9 p.m. on Saturday night. So much going on. You've got a bevy of folks to choose from. Who are the guests already booked for Saturday night? Well, I just shot an interview with the uh, General Secretary of NATO, 
uh, Jan Stoltenberg. And oh, I cool. told him, listen, there's a lot of people in this country that are, don't want to fund this war anymore. I, I gave him his pitch. You know, I'm, I'm for it. I think it's absolutely necessary. I just hate the way Joe Biden is pro, pro, uh, prosecuting the war. And Jack Keane, please ask him about it. Because very few people in the world can explain why it matters to Sid and our audience better than Jack Keane. He's, he's the best and he understands it. And he's actually does the Institute for the Study of War. So I'm, I'm going to talk to him. Uh, we're still working out uh, some other guests. I'll probably lock it in on Thursday or Friday. You know, it, I'm just trying to it's a moving card target. I could not believe what happened yesterday. The Republicans had Republicans vote against a Republican CR just to fund the government to the 31st, knowing Republicans will get blamed if they do not fund the government in a week. So I they're just giving away the House yesterday. Uh, so. Um, we might, I might uh, dive into that. Yeah, Chip may- Roy of all people says, I got a proposal. Yeah. Guys, vote for this. We'll, could, we'll fund the government till the 31st. We'll work out the rest. Chip Roy is the uh, epitome of conservatism. And they go, no, uh, five people go, no, I don't want, I don't want to do that. <laughs> really? <laughs> what are they doing? I don't know. Uh, you got Chip and you got Matt and you got Marjorie. Then you got this other group. It seems like Republicans are pretty, are pretty splintered. I mean, especially over the job that Kevin McCarthy is doing as the speaker, but, uh, that is worth watching as well, along with everything else going on in the world today. Hey, Brian, great, great job. We'll all be watching One Nation on Saturday night. Thank you so much, buddy. Great job. All right, Tim, we got to have you back on. I just got to talk to your agent. The fees and the and everything that you want in the green room. Yeah. I just don't know if we have the budget. Well, you probably don't, but for you, I will, uh, I'll make a deal. How about that? <laughs> okay, good. I'm going to show them this clip. Go get him, Sid. All right, you too, buddy. Thank, Thank you. you. He's so great. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Polish yes. president on today. Please don't miss it. He's my first guest. Is that right? The Polish president? Yes, in studio. What time is that? It'll be uh, actually. It's the hour when you're still on. So we're going to bring it back in the next hour too. Ah, uh, now you're thinking, baby. Okay, great. We'll be watching that. The Polish president. On with Brian Kilmeade, Fox and Friends on Fox News this morning. Brian is always terrific, right after me, 10 o'clock every weekday. Lots more to do. Curtis Lee will coming up next. It's Wednesday with Sid. I want to live a life like that. I want to be just like a king. Take my picture by the pool. Because I'm the next big Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Well, you would think uh, that there were terrorists here. I count three hundred cops standing, blocking us, threatening to arrest us. There's fifty police cars treating the citizens of Staten Island as if they're criminals. Remember, in the summer of 2020. This is where Blue Lives Matter started. The residents of Staten Island stood with the cops when nobody else did against Black Lives Matter Antifa. And now, because Eric Adams orders them out here, they come out in force. And I said to them, this is the same mayor who signed a consent decree just a week ago that don't even permit you to put your hands on demonstrators. You're not able to do anything. 
and yet he tells you to run here and you drop everything you're doing and you line up against us as if you're criminals. This is a disgrace. Generals gathered in their masses Just like witches at black masses Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Now that was Curtis Sliwa from last night, so... As we start hour number two of the Wednesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning after a great hour number one, Brian Kilmeade was terrific. And don't forget, coming up later this hour, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani will talk to Peter King next hour and Nigel Farage in London coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. I had no idea there was even a rally on Staten Island last night, let alone the hysterics. That eventually would take place, and uh, we've been playing that Curtis Sliwa audio all morning long. When I saw Curtis live here about an hour ago, he's like, Sid, you wouldn't believe what happened last night. And he knows, of course, how much I love the folks on Staten Island, whether it's Frank Morano or Johnny Tobacco or Joe Borelli or Nicole Maliotakis or Vito Pocella, all of them, the great Americans. So we're going to get the latest from the man who gets big ratings, noon to one, every weekday afternoon. Big ratings, of course, doing the overnights all weekend long, and his best work right here about this time every weekday morning with me, the icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel, and right now the angel for New York, the man that every day speaks out against the illegals, whether it's Biden, Hochul, and especially Mayor Adams, the great Curtis Sliwa. Good morning, Curtis. No, it's not a good morning at all. What's the matter? You, you actually look, today you look different. You look, um, I don't want to say beat up and tired, but... I, I, I very rarely say this. You almost look a bit defeated. Not defeated, but to have to march up and down as I did and look at each and every one of the 300 cops that they assembled wouldn't even look me in the eye. And I said, you realize what order you're following here? You know we have grandmothers and mothers out there on alert to keep the illegal aliens from coming in. This is the second location. First location, St. John Vila Academy. The grandmothers and mothers have been successful in keeping them out. This was the location that started that first rally we had. My first arrest. Remember when they cleared out 200 senior citizens of the greatest generation, some of them who had served in World War II. And the orders from City Hall and Eric Adams was, out in the streets, you figure out where you're going. We need this place for illegal aliens on Midland Beach. Remember, Midland Beach was wiped out during Superstorm Sandy. The same Eric Adams, who speaks with forked tongue, said, I would never put, I would never put a migrant center on a floodplain. What do you think Midland Beach is? Got wiped out in Superstorm Sandy. Isn't that similar to Floyd Bennett Field? Isn't that a floodplain as well? Absolutely. So you can't believe anything that Eric Adams says. So the grandmothers and mothers are out there because we had heard once again, City Hall, Eric Adams, from rats running from your sinking ship that they were going to try to sneak illegal aliens in at night. And so the grandmothers and mothers were there. 
And then the commander of the borough of Staten Island must have been all bent out of shape because he was probably eating a bowl of spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. Probably getting it for free from a restaurant on Highland Boulevard. And he had to come to this place because the grandmothers and mothers wouldn't leave, would not move. They had the bus blocked. And then all of a sudden, the borough commander, Joseph Gulata, I mean, with the with the, the 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 gravy stains right on his white shirt. No, I kid you not. Come on, the guy was having meatball and spaghettis up in Highland Boulevard. You're telling me that Galata showed up with marinara stains? Absolutely not. You looked at this guy. This guy <laughs> yeah. is like the size of two whales. Oh my God! And then he orders arrest them, and the elderly people couldn't believe it. These the first wave of grandmothers and mothers. They're knocking down grandmothers and mothers. They're grabbing people. They're locking them up. They're dragging them away. They arrested 10. Now, the people in Staten Island are not like Black Lives Matter and Antifa. So they're not resisting. They're not fighting. And so they're standing on the corner, and the cops are coming up to them. You get on that corner. You get on that sidewalk, or you get locked up. And that's when I jumped into action. All 300 were lined up, and the drones came out. The only No. Yes. They had the drones again. The only place they use the drones against us are in Staten Island. That's Be- twice, right? Twice, because they consider us to be political enemies. And as I'm looking at the drones up there, they're clicking away. They're taking pictures, pictures, pictures of everybody there. You know that's going into a file. You know they're using photo recognition technology. You know they're going to be people who get knocks on the door. Hey, I see you have, uh, you know, 10 parking tickets you haven't paid. Oh, you had two speeding violations. They're going to use every means necessary to try to break what people have a right to do, express their First Amendment right of free speech, and they are now oppressors. And I looked at every one of those cops, and they couldn't even look me in the eye. I'm walking up and down. I'm saying, you, all of you, in 2020, when Antifa and Black Lives Matter was attacking you, who was covering your back? The people of Staten Island, Highland Boulevard, 122nd Precinct. That's where it all began. And I said, and your mayor just signed that consent decree? That house mouse, a guy who never walked a beat, won't allow you to put your hands on demonstrators anymore? Black Lives Matter Antifa gave millions of dollars to the demonstrators who threw Molotov cocktails, hit you, stoned you, attacked you. They couldn't even look me in the eye. They couldn't even look me in the eye. And Joseph Goliath, and you could see the marinara sauce just dripping down his white shirt. They arrested 10 people. What a pig that guy is. Where was Scott Labeda? Was he there too? Scott was in New Jersey. He was in New Jersey. And tonight, Sid. Oh, no. Six o'clock. No. The mother of all rallies. No, no. And let me tell you something. The man who was there from the beginning to the end, the senior ranking member of the state Senate, again, Andrew Lanza. Andrew Lanza's father was an honored police detective and police officer. He had tears in his eyes. There were people on the sideline, women and grandmothers, crying. They said, I can't believe the police would do this to us. They have turned the most friendly borough towards the police into now enemies and adversaries. I can't. The people were coming out of their houses at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning throughout Midland Beach 
So tonight, 6 o'clock, I don't care where you live, ladies and gentlemen, you got to come on out to that senior citizen center that now has 12 illegal aliens, and they ain't getting any others in there for the mother of all rallies, and arrest number 81 <laughs> is coming down the pipe. Here it comes, baby, the hero that is Curtis Sliwa predicting arrest number 81 comes your way tonight. Well, I wish you the best of luck. You know that uh, whether you're in Queens or Staten Island or my neighborhood, which you've done now three times helping us out in Brooklyn and Queens, we all love you. You are. You're a godlike figure where I live. But I do want to play this cut for you because it does speak to the issue at hand. The illegals, we call them. Some call them migrants. The morons call them asylum seekers. Let me play this cut and get your reaction. That Luke cut 22. I am hoping that he understands this beautiful city that's the economic engine of the entire country is being saddled with a $2 billion that we spent already, $5 billion we're going to spend in this fiscal crisis. New York don't, don't deserve this. The asylum seekers don't deserve this. And so while he's here, um, I think that they should really reflect on New York City has done its part. By the way, as we speak, the mayor is on New York One with Pat Kiernan talking about the protest last night blocking busloads of migrants arriving at a shelter on Staten Island. So Adam's talking to Kiernan on New York One about your deal was he last night. Call, was he calling me a buffoon well, again? I, I, I can't only see it. The audio, of course, I'm hosting a radio show, so I'm watching it out of the corner of my left eye. We'll get known to get some of that audio. But there is Adam's. So I guess the president may or, or will meet with Kathy Hochul today. But the man who uh, many, many times referred to himself as the Biden of Brooklyn can't even get a meeting. What does that say about the mayor and maybe the president, too? Let me tell you something about Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. He has forsaken us. He has abandoned us. He continues to accept these illegal aliens. Have you looked at the pictures of the trains coming from south of the border? Thousands yes. of illegals on the trains. Underlay, underlay. They're all coming towards the They're invading our country, Sid. What kind of a man is Eric Adams? When he looks down his trousers, what does he have, cocktail onions? Of the <laughs> asylum seekers. We're going to make sure we do what's in the best interest of the asylum seekers. How about what's in the best interest of the citizens of New York City, of New York State, and the United States? Whoever elected you mayor to be mayor of the asylum seekers. And that's where he loses you, because on one hand, he bitches and complains, as he should, because he's been given a very, very heavy burden. He has. But on the other hand, he talks about how he's a humanitarian and I care about the asylum seekers. And he has more than once put Americans. Listen, I'll never forget. I have to tell you all the videos you've done. And nobody at this station, nobody, maybe in New York, gets more views on their social media videos than Curtis. Nobody. They're great. But one particular video you did weeks and weeks ago, which I even brought up with Lawrence Jones on Fox News, you were standing in Central Park, 110th Street behind a bench with a homeless woman, an African-American lady who had no sneakers on, no shoes, old crusty blankets, laying in her own duty and pee-pee and, and food scattered all around her. It was a pathetic scene. And you kept saying, she's an American. What about her? And for folks who have a hard time criticizing Mayor Adams because maybe you like him, he's a nice guy. Maybe, maybe you're in business and you need his help, I don't know. Go watch that video, and if you don't change your mind about Adams, you got no heart. Let me let me give you an example. 
There was a guy named Jimmy Carter who was just like Joe Biden, weak, feckless. And didn't really love the Jews. <laughs> he hated the Jews. Correct. He came to the heliport down by Wall Street. All the Democrats at that time were there to meet the Democratic president of the United States. Ed Koch and Mario Cuomo win the runoff to be the mayor. Ed Koch was the congressman. And everybody made nice, oh, Jimmy Carter's coming. And then Ed Koch, he walks up to him and he gives him a letter. And Jimmy Carter obviously is stunned. What is this? A letter he puts it in his pocket. Ed Koch condemned Jimmy Carter for siding against Israel and supporting Yasser Arafat and the PLO at the United Nations through his ambassador, Andrew Young. It was later found out that Andrew Young was playing footsies with Yasser Arafat, and he had to fire him and send him back to Atlanta. Ed Koch stood up for New York, stood up for Jews, his own Jews, stood up for the state of Israel. He had balls. What does Eric Adams have? Oh, arrested 10 grandmothers and mothers, and he's proud of that? And then he goes off and says, well, if I don't put the illegals there, I'll have to put them in some other neighborhood. Last night he was at the Club Zero Bond to the break of dawn. Why didn't he come out to Staten Island and follow his drones spying on Americans with our tax dollars? This is Orwellian. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take it to Eric Adams tonight, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, and Scooey Joe Biden. Be there, Midland Beach, Father Capadonna Boulevard, 6 o'clock, to support the senior citizens of the greatest generation, World War II, that Eric Adams kicked in the streets to make room for the illegal aliens, and he kisses their ass and smacks us Americans right in our face. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Great Jim Croce, Leroy Brown. I love Jim Croce. Two or three songs we're going to play from Croce on the uh, show today. Is today Jimmy's birthday or heavenly birthday, Lewis? This is when he uh, plane crashed today. Yeah, the plane crashed, that's right. Now, unlike uh, the plane crash that killed Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and uh, the La Bamba kid, uh, Richie Valens, where three different uh, big stars died. That was not the case with Croce, right? It was his own plane, right? 
Yes, except five or six other people did. Band die. members, maybe. The, I don't know. Uh, yes, five others in down no. Louisiana. What year was uh, that? Seventy-three. So he's dead fifty years. Yeah. Fifty years. Yeah, he was thirty. Oh my God, he was only thirty. Yeah. He was only 30. What a future this guy had. Oh, that's what 30. How many hits did he have? And that's how what, many hits? And that's what everybody was saying, too. Like, he had just gotten going. Oh, my God. I had no idea he was that young, and he's gone 50 years. I got a name. I love that was song. was just released, I oh. think. Oh. The day before. It was Photographs and memories, and I got a name. These are These are all-time great songs. Wow, he's gone 50 years. He was only 30 years yeah, old. I remember I was a kid and the people were talking about it. And I went, oh, yeah, that's the guy that's on, uh, I'm, I think, probably Music Radio yeah, 77. Probably so. Where you were listening to I him. don't remember. I was only six. But I, I became a huge fan. I had no idea he died uh, that young. Yeah, he was oh, very terrible. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. Jeez. People were upset about that. A big show already this morning. A couple of guys showed up in a big way. Brian Kilmeade and Curtis Slee. Well, still to come this hour, America's mayor, my dear friend Rudy Giuliani, he's going to join us. And before the show is over, the great congressman, former Peter King, and we go across the pond where my daughter Ava landed about six hours ago, excuse me, three hours ago, we go to London to talk to my friend Nigel Farage. I will tell you, the last couple of mornings, when I walked outside my house, I get picked up at 4.10 a.m. every weekday morning, sharp, 4.10. And the difference the last couple of days from a week ago, palpable, and I'm talking about the weather, like I'm cold. And then last night, me and Gabriel... Went out for dinner. Danielle was tired. Everybody's a little sad that Ava left, you know. So me and uh, Gaby, we walked over to 129 to go to Louis' favorite Mexican restaurant, Pico. We finished dinner about 7.30, and it's a seven-block walk home, and I was freezing. And I said to Gabe, I said, I know I'm getting old, which I am. I have all the old people stuff, you know, fart when I walk and I'm cold, you know. <laughs> Are you cold? He goes, that's a little chilly, Dad. So I felt a little better. But this morning I was cold, and I was just reminded that, well, it should be. You know, Yom Kippur is Monday. My wife's birthday is next week. That's the end of the month. And before you know it, it's going to be autumn. In fact, very, very soon. Isn't that right, Noam? That is right. Uh, Saturday at 2.50 in the morning, it officially becomes fall. Wow. This Saturday, 2.50 a.m. Yep. Why? The fall of 2023 is here. Why? What do you mean, why? Like, why? What do you mean, why? Why does it have to be fall at 2 a.m. on Sunday morning? Well, I don't know the end. That's exactly. very good. Why, why is it? right the about way that. The, why? Uh, the earth moves the, on its axis, you know. Well, yeah. it's, it's okay. a That's a great thing. question. That's Focus. such a great question. Focus. Yeah, the, uh, the summer solstice, uh, the anal uh, uh, solstice. <laughs> Uh, 3.13 a.m. What does that mean? Well, I can tell you when that one starts. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually a brilliant question by Alec. He's a, he's a genius. Gee, what, why do they start on these little times? Like, I don't know. It's wait, stupid. Wait, uh, you got these people by a campfire. It is Now. I'm on the Aaron yeah. Rodgers treatment. I just got out of my four-day <laughs> Rudy Giuliani is uh, coming up next. It is Wednesday. You know what that means, folks? Time for the Tunnel to Towers update. Here's another example of how Tunnel to Towers helps families with the Tunnel to Towers 5K run and walk. I love this event. I have participated before. It goes down this Sunday right here in New York City. The 5K run and walk Tunnel 
to Towers. My buddy Frank Siller has been telling us about this event for months and is now just a few days away. Yes, folks, the Tunnel to Towers 5K Run and Walk in New York City is happening this Sunday, September the 24th. The course retraces the final footsteps of Frank's younger brother, FDNY firefighter Stephen Siller, on the morning of September 11, 2001, through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel to the Twin Towers. Join me and the 77 WABC team as we honor the 2,977 firefighters, law enforcement officers, and civilians who lost their lives on 9-11, as well as the thousands who lost their lives to 9-11-related illnesses or in the global war on terror. This is the most patriotic 5K in America, folks, one that I am proud to take part in every year. Grammy Award-winning trio Lady A will perform at the Finish Line concert on Bessie Street. Join me on Sunday as we honor America's heroes and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation's mission to do good and never forget. Lace up those sneakers, folks. I'll see you on Sunday. So just go right now to wabcradio.com slash walk. Click on my picture. Very handsome. And you get to donate. Please help me raise the most money here at the station for the amazing Tunnel to Towers Foundation Walk Run. Remember, that's coming up this Sunday. You can see the big banner on the Battery Tunnel right now. This Sunday, September the 24th. Get those donations in. Once again, wabcradio.com slash walk and click on my picture. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Some days are diamonds. Some days are rocks. Some doors are open. Some roads are blocked. You know, I just looked to my left, and as I told you many times, just outside of these really beautiful palatial radio studios that John and Margot Katsimatidis and Chad and the whole group built, it's really lovely here, lovely. There's a newsroom, and they've got these uh, big screen TVs up in there, and they've got them on... um, well, just the worst channels you could ever imagine. I mean, CNN, MSNBC, and New York One. <laughs> I got to look to my right here in the studio to get the Fox News. I mean, these are the three of the worst things. So here's what I'm guaranteed just about every morning, just about every morning, and it speaks directly to my next guest. At some point, especially MSNBC, they're the, in this particular case, they're the most guilty of the three. At some point, I'm going to see Rudy Giuliani's face or a story. They don't leave this poor son of a bitch alone. They just don't. There was a story that came out about Rudy a couple of days ago with a bunch of lawyers, and we had sound on it, and I refused to play it. Justin said to me, should we put it in the open? I said, no, no. Rudy's my friend, and why would I, why would I take part in embarrassing the mayor? It's not a news story to me. Whatever Rudy has going on personally, uh, that's that's Rudy's business. You know, I just talked about the 5K walk that's going to go down this Sunday at the Battery Tunnel, Frank Siller and Tunnel to Towers. 
3,000 people died that day. We're going to walk on Sunday to help folks directly affected by that. And I hope you were listening back on September 11th when Rudy came on this show because he was great. And that's the Rudy Giuliani that I'll always love. The rest of these stories are just, it's just piling on. It's, it's enough. So with that said, here he is, host 3 o'clock every day, the greatest mayor and politician in the history of New York. And despite what you read and hear, he's a good man, <laughs> my friend Rudy Giuliani. I mean, they, just, they, they, they beat you up every day. Every day yeah, they beat I mean, you up. I can't, even, um, I can't even respond most of the time because it's gotten to the point where it bears no relationship to anything that ever happened. There used to be a time where they would take something that happened, right? Maybe you got into an argument in a restaurant, and they made it into, it was almost a fistfight, and it wasn't. Now it's, you were never at the restaurant, you haven't been there in years, and you went there and caused trouble. (laughs) That's great. That is great. Like if if they can't get a Giuliani story, I think it's like oh, Jimmy Breslin used to be. You know, I used to represent Jimmy and uh, my senior partner. So, well, I said, well, I have to go look for the um, – I got to look for the sources for the story. He said, don't bother. You'll never come back. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's scary, but true. They were good stories, though, right? Yeah, of course. Of course they were good stories. And, and some of the things yeah. I write about you are, are good stories or just fiction. They're not real. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's amazing. So uh, the, the the run on Sunday, they should write about the fact that I authorized the first one. Is that right? And I've, yeah, and I've been at every one but one, and that's the one where I busted up my knee. What do you mean? What, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean you authorized the first one? It was that was was well, it Frank first Siller? One, first one on t- Frank came to me, said he wanted the tunnel to do a run. I had turned him down through my emergency management director, Richie Sure. Richie came to me and said, this family wants the tunnel for a run. And I just said, Richie, you're crazy. I've got thousands of pieces of equipment going through there. I've got the FBI fighting with the CIA, fighting with agencies. I don't even know what the stupid uh, initials mean. <laughs> I don't even know what the initials mean. They're just showing all these badges. And uh, I'm trying to get it all organized. And Pataki's going nuts. And we pick, he and I, George and I picked that tunnel. I can't give up that tunnel on just, just on Sunday, move everything out. So Richie, who knew me really well, said, Mayor, don't make up your mind. Let me bring Frank Siller in. She's going to tell you his story. He lost his brother. And then he said that. Of course, you come in, right? Frank walks in. Three minutes later, I'm the biggest supporter of the march <laughs> you ever heard. Right, of course. He tells me the story of his brother. I said, I'm going to throw all the FBI out, all the CIA out, all those initials I don't know. We're having, a, we're having a run. So we don't have to clear out the whole tunnel. I said, I'm clearing out the whole goddamn tunnel. That's it. <laughs> nice. Well, good for you. It's, uh, and then it's, I've been there every every single one. That's a great event. Yeah, I went a couple of years ago, and um, I remember Greg Kelly took it so seriously. He just wanted to beat me. That's all he cared about that day. And I said, okay, enough of this. Uh, I do want to get to this. This is, yeah, I swear to God, this is uh, you one week in the city, Rudy. And I got to ask you this. Because you know, oh. I know, well, you know that there, there's no bigger supporter of the cops than me, other than you and John and Margo, that's it. I love the cops. But I got to tell you, I look outside my window here every morning, I'm here for five hours, okay? And I see a tent, and I see three or four guys having coffee, talking about the jet game or the giant game. And then I see a bunch of cop cars and motorcycles, and you, you ran this city during this week. 
Can you tell oh, me hey, what is it all what is it all about and how much money does the city waste Whoa. on getting on, on getting people prostitutes and dinners in our in our beloved city? You tell me that. How do you how, how do you know this so well? I've been there. Do you know this group this group had a special <laughs> section of my police report every week. Started with Bratton <laughs> through Safer through Bernie. Bernie and I had dinner last night, and uh, we were laughing and crying about what's in there. I mean, remember, half, let's say half those countries, and I'm probably off, they're crooked countries. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not democracies. They're, not, uh, they're probably closer to dictatorships, and mainly they don't have the rule of law. Then people get to the top and steal. So what do you think the people they send to the U.N. do? Who do you think they are? <laughs> yeah. So they don't pay. They don't pay their bills. If you want to rent to a UN guy, you better get your money up front for two years, so you're not going to get it. You go to court, they don't pay. They don't pay their tickets. And when I became mayor, you know, Law and Order Rudy, I went nuts. And Clinton used to laugh at me. You know, I would go down there and argue, and the Secretary of State would explain how I would ruin diplomatic relationships if I co- collected tickets. And I said to them, it would be good. It would teach them the rule of law. It would be like it would be like the broken windows theory for foreign policy. <laughs> so I finally got the Russians good. They wanted to double their uh, their residence up in Riverdale, which is quite beautiful. And I, knew I used, it well I used to live there. I used to live in the Century and Building in Riverdale. Co- I used yeah. to live. There. I used to go to college there, Manhattan College. So I knew it, and I never liked the Russians up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the old Cold War, and I was yeah. studying communism. Yeah. So they want, but we own the land they wanted. Meaning we had a zoner for them. And, uh, and I, I told them, I'll zone it when you send me a check for $12 million. They said, what? That's bribery. I said, no, no. You're going to send it to the, par- you're gonna send it to the parking violations bureau. That's what you owe. Wow. They said, that's what, we're, that's what we owe with interest. I said, no, it isn't. I could actually charge even more. And they said, well, we're going to the president. Well, I finally won the battle. I got my $12 million. It took two years. Wow. But I used to do that to that. Whenever I got a chance to squeeze them, I would squeeze them. Also, a lot of these little punks get in trouble, right? And they claim diplomatic immunity. They beat up their wife. They beat up their kid. A lot of domestic violence. What do you mean? They, they, and, and, they, and they actually rape New York women all the time. Usually it's their own kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Imagine how my cops react to that, right? Yeah. They walk in. They want to arrest a guy. The guy pulls out a piece of paper and says, I have diplomatic immunity. Right. You can't do anything with him. Now, what we did was we would take him in and we would check his diplomatic immunity because a lot of them are walking around with phony papers. Not everybody who claims to have diplomatic immunity has it. Right. It has to be actually approved by the State Department and the president. Uh, until it is, you yeah. don't have it. So yeah. we cut yeah. down on them quite a bit. So I came to the conclusion in the long run that the U.N. isn't worth it, that we lose more than we make. We get about, we used to get, Adams may get more. We used to get about 12 or 14 million for security. Probably cost us closer to 50 million. Oh. Uh, I'll oh. Just talk about this. I'm just talking about this event. This event, not all year. No, I know. They it's a killer. Special it's a session. Killer. We get, our budget gets killed. Killed. So, uh, plus, they cause trouble. They, right. They're not law abiding. They're like, they're like the current group of migrants. The current group of migrants are a much larger percentage of lawbreakers than in the past because they're being selected by the cartels. There was a great article in the Post saying the cartels are selecting them 
and putting the good ones, the relatively good ones, in large numbers, sending them over, creating a diversion, and then sending the bad ones over because they have uh, ice faked out. So ice is in El Paso. The bad ones are coming in 30 miles away. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. So that does bring me to this. No, I know it's true. And it brings me to this conversation. So. Um, I want to rewind the clock a little bit, and and uh, well, let's do this. Let's move it forward and play this game. You're still mayor. You're still mayor, Rudy Giuliani, and this crisis is going on, which is ridiculous, of course, because if you were mayor, it wouldn't happen in the first place. But let's just yeah, play okay. the game. So well, you're mayor now. This is going on, and it's the UN week, and Bill Clinton is here because you were mayor during his presidency, or George Bush is here. You were mayor during his presidency, and uh, it is imperative, and I mean imperative that you meet with one of these two men. And you've been walking around for the last year calling yourself the Clinton of Manhattan, not the Biden of Brooklyn, but the Clinton of Manhattan. And then the, this president says, nah, I don't have time. I got a fundraiser on Broadway. I got a lunch with my wife. I got to go to the doctor. I don't have time. What are the odds that would happen like he's done exactly to Mayor Eric Adams this week? Well, he would have done it to me because in the very beginning we'd established it relationship of respect, Clinton wouldn't have done it to me when I was a Republican because he he knew that I was an intelligent, tough politician. So if I had to tell him, I would tell him. I would say, you're running, you're running for re-election, right? Don't count on me. I'm a Democrat? No, 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 no. A couple of things come before that. Well, one of those is an American. Another one is a New Yorker. You screw my city, I screw you. And I don't think it's looked too good if the mayor of New York, who's getting high marks for trying right now, right? Adams is getting high marks for trying. Uh, maybe we think he's not trying enough. He's the only one that is trying. Right? I'll if give that him that. Yes. Went out, yes. If, if that guy went out against him, I don't know if he'd beat him in New York, believe it or not. But you know what you do to him all over the country? If Adams went on a tour and said, don't vote for this guy, he'll do to your city what he did to mine. <laughs> That's what I would threaten him with him. And we'll do that. Well, let's see uh, if he doesn't move on that one. Wow. So and I'd, what, say, so what, and, what, what, and I'd say any other candidate yeah. you want to put up, better pledge to take the disproportionate burden off New York. And I have a suggestion of how they do it. Send them out of the country. Reestablish what Trump did. And so let's start doing these things in Mexico. But let's get them the hell out of here. These people are not entitled to be here. Stop treating them like they're lawful residents. Stop coddling them. Some of them may be unfortunate people, but those unfortunate people have been used as a front to get very dangerous criminals into here on purpose by the Mexican cartels. Biden, you may be stupid. I'm not. Oh, God, I love this. What are you? I mean, I swear to God, this is the hottest segment I've done in my 25 years on radio. This is what's wrong with these, these guys. It's about your people. It's not about you. It's never about you. The minute it starts to be about you, you've got to go sit down and think about it and get the bad thoughts out of your head. And you've got to start thinking about it's for the people. It's for the people. Do you see this guy, Doug Burns, on Newsmax, the lawyer? He's on a lot. He's a good lawyer, very articulate. His father was Arnie Burns. He was a deputy attorney general. He was my boss. He was my campaign chairman in 89. And he's the one who told me when I got elected in, 93. Run the city like you're a first-term mayor. Do everything you think is right. And um, if you fail, you're going to be proud of yourself the rest of your life. 
And if you succeed, you'll be the most famous mayor in New York history. <laughs> oh, he was wrong. And look at that. Look what happened. You know, what's interesting is um, Adams has been on the show and, and others, and they said, hey, wait a second, why don't you just turn these buses around? And he said, well, that's illegal. No, I don't know the law. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's not. But I would say to him, Nelson Mandela, I mean, how how much more respect would a guy like Eric Adams get from his detractors if he did, in fact, break the law in the interest of saving New Yorkers? And they and he did a perp there walk is. saying, I care about New York first. That would be great for him. So, no? so, I don't know. Maybe he needs a lawyer. Uh, the moment that September 11 happened, uh, without even thinking about it, Bernie Carrick closed down New York and wouldn't let anybody in. Was that illegal? And uh, he called me, and he told me he did it. I said, I'm glad I was about to call you and tell you to do it. Of course it's not illegal. All he has to do is declare a state of emergency. I mean, we declared, we had a state of emergency for uh, COVID when it was over for two years. And <laughs> they were keeping people out of church. I mean, this, is, this would be a real state of emergency. What about the kid, the one-year-old kid that dies from inhaling fentanyl? Right. Yeah. What, what about I mean, the, what, what about the ladies that were raped in Buffalo and the lady that was raped in Pennsylvania? <laughs> so my question to you is: You're telling me if you were mayor, you can, well, cause here's what I want. I want you to turn those buses around. I'm sick of hearing about it being inhumane. Saying you're saying I, you can do that. A hundred percent. As a state of, you say New York City is in a state of emergency. Mayor can declare it. If he gets the governor to declare that the state is in a state of emergency because of the people that sneak out and go there, he's even in more powerful ground. And it would take it would take a year to unravel that. And I'm not sure a court would vote against him. Uh, remember, it took a year, year and a half. They'd give him some time at least. I don't think I don't think you would add it. You could you could honestly say right now they were not in a state of emergency when you look at the condition of some of these neighborhoods. Uh, and and I mean, you take lots of pictures of these of these places and show it. It's a state of emergency for us. It's a state of emergency for them. Uh, and you put them on. And you you look. Nobody's put Abbott in jail. How many people have he bust out? A lot. And, and a, a lot and a lot. And they haven't all come to New York. Believe it or not, he's uh, Adams is whining, but he he sent them to Chicago. He sent them elsewhere. I think he gives Adams the most because Adams got the biggest mouth. Right. Right, because he was the one in the beginning who was like, come on, come on, I'm a sanctuary yeah, city, I, come I on. go down and look at it. I, you know what Abbott wanted to show him? A Abbott had the idea that he's a policeman, and he wanted to show him this is not what you think. This is not a group of, oh, these poor, poor people, they want to come here. And uh, Yeah, some of them are sent in as, as front, but this is carefully orchestrated by a group that's as sophisticated as the Colombian cartels. They use the the poor little people they use as a front, and right behind them is MS-13, ISIS, uh, and plenty of fentanyl. You know, you know, I, I know, as you're talking, let me just go on record and saying, Rudy, I agree with you. But, but, your, <laughs> your detractors are going to say, that there goes that crazy Rudy again. Oh, the election was rigged. Now this whole migrant mess is about cartels and drug dealers. Has what's it, happened to this? And I agree with you, but that's I what they're going to say. What has happened to him? Yeah, what's happened you know, to this guy? They used to call me. They used to call me crazy Rudy when I started work there. <laughs> it worked out. It was the best thing the city ever did. They used to call me a plantation owner, a Nazi. They called me Hitler. When I said you have to work if you want welfare. Sorry. And this is the best thing anybody ever did for you. I'm doing this because I love you. 
you can't live on the streets. They said there's a right to uh, there's a right to uh, uh, shelter. I said, show it to me in the Constitution. They said, well, it's a decree of of uh, of, of Koch. I said, well, Koch has been gone now ten years, so <laughs> his decree doesn't count. Show me where his decree counts. Yeah, yeah. I can change anything he did. Yeah. You take me to court. They never did. So Adams is waiting to go to court. Why doesn't he just don do it and let them take him to court? Right. Exactly. He's got. He has a good argument that that thing. First of all, that that was a response to an emergency. A different emergency exists now. I'm not sure if a, a subsequent mayor is bound by all the policy decisions of a prior mayor. That's a good argument that could be made, particularly on something like this, where circumstances change over time, and the executive has to have flexibility to make changes. Uh, but it, at least you're on the offensive, and you're showing the. By the time by the time they finish litigating with you. You're going to have all the homeless people off the street. Right, right. Uh, listen, uh, it's great. Uh, this is why I love when you come on, Woody. i got to run but, here, but, God, you are yeah, so they great. they call me crazy. You just go back and look. Uh, they say, I, I, oh, I changed, I changed. They always call me crazy. When I, got, when I got rid of funding for the Brooklyn Museum because they were putting – they were putting cow dung on the Blessed Mother. They said I was crazy. Oh, my God. They were doing that? Jeez. Well, yeah, and, I, and I, I was – the New York Times did a horrible thing that I, I just respect the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. And I just said, I don't know. Let's substitute Muhammad or Moses and tell me what the hell you'd be saying. Right. <laughs> you are good. Rudy, you're the absolute best, man. I love you. I got to tell you, uh, they I've can do whatever they like want. This. I love you. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. He's the best. How is this man not the best? And I hope Eric Adams heard that. He just gave Eric a, a whole game plan, a whole blueprint. There's the playbook right there. It's right there. You know how many times I sat down with the mayor and begged and implored, sit down with Rudy. It got to the point where he said yes. It wasn't shtick months ago when I said I'm going to have a dinner with Rudy and Eric. It was straight from Eric's mouth. Yes, let's do it. And he never did it. And I'm sure it's because... Probably because his Democrat friends hate Rudy. But that's not the way to do it. This guy's got answers. He can help you fix this city. Stop talking to people who are morons, Eric. Stop talking to people who are morons. When you've got somebody like Rudy Giuliani who's willing, who's willing to talk to you even though you call them a racist. Fix it, Eric. Enough's enough. But you got a heart so big Get the crush this town And I can't hold out forever Even walls fall down This is Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Even as we evolve our institutions and drive creative new partnerships, let me be clear. Certain principles of our international system are sacrosanct. Simply put, the 21st century, 21st century <laughs> results aye, aye, aye. Huh? are badly needed. Oh. They're needed oh. to move us along. Oh. <laughs> That starts with the United Nations. Okay.
I am hoping that he understands this beautiful city that's the economic engine of the entire country is being saddled with a $2 billion that we spent already, $5 billion we're going to spend in this fiscal crisis. New York don't, don't deserve this. The asylum seekers don't deserve this. And so while he's here, um, I think that they should really reflect on New York City has done its part. Breaking news on Staten Island. A large group of residents are blocking a bus that's carrying migrants on Father Capadano Boulevard and Midland Avenue in Midland Beach. Several police units were called in to respond to the crowds blocking traffic. You would think uh, that there were terrorists here. I count 300 cops standing, blocking us, threatening to arrest us. There's 50 police cars treating the citizens of Staten Island as if they're criminals. This is a disgrace. My next guest, I know her pretty well. I should, I guess. I cut the umbilical cord when he came out of her mom. All the way back on April 7th of 2004, on a snowy morning at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And then we took her home to Tenafly, New Jersey, and then you know the rest of the story. 19 years later, my daughter's done a lot of pretty amazing stuff. My daughter is about to go to year two, and she did uh, very, very well. Year one, very well. Very proud of her. Love her. I guess she's going to miss me. She wants to see her daddy do his thing, because I am the best. My daughter, Ava. You said word. Yes. <laughs> that means you agree with that. Yes, I do agree. Really? I, I thought you would have said that. Don't say that. Or You're extremely talented. <laughs> and just because I don't agree on all of the content doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge true talent. He didn't have to wake up, even up all night, lying there in bed listening. To his newborn baby cry He makes a pot of coffee And splashes water on his face His wife gives him a kiss And says it's gonna be okay It won't be like this alone One day we'll look back laughing At the week we brought her
formerly known as Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish. Won't be like this for long, and this one goes out to my daughter, Ava. And this is it for me, I promise, guys, that's it. I cried all last night, I cried this morning, literally at 4 o'clock this morning, walking by her bedroom. With her door open, she wasn't there. And this will be the second time I cry in the show this morning. I promise that's it, but Okay, who has that? I say yeah. no. No, no, that's it. No, I'm not going to play no. any more Eva sound. That's it. No. I, I'm no. not going to cry over Joe Biden or, or Eric Adams or Peter King or Nigel Farage. No, leave that for me. Well, maybe Nigel will make yeah. me cry because he's in London this that's morning. True. I don't know. Yeah. So. Make you cry. Yeah. She landed in London, Ava, at 3.33 a.m., and that's five hours ahead there now. It's one thirty. She's going to spend the day in London today and then hop on that fast train later on tonight. It's a 90-minute train ride from London to Cardiff, Wales, where she goes to college. She was home for a long time. She got back in late April. I didn't realize. I mean, she was there for the, the whole thing, living in Battery Park and eventually getting back home to our home. And she was here a long time. And next summer she can't do that because she has to intern part of her work-study program. So I think we get her home next summer in August for like six weeks. That's it. So I'm, um, I'm sad and happy. We've been over this already a million times. Talked about it two hours ago. All you folks out there that sent these beautiful messages. I put a picture up of me and Ava right before she left. Gene, my cab driver, was... Parked outside the house, you can see the cab. We took a picture on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, Facebook Sid Rosenberg, and 15 minutes later, she was gone, and I stood in the uh, street and cried, idiot. (laughs) And then I went inside the house and looked at her room and cried, and cried again this morning, I'm crying again now. You you did that trip to um, to Wales last, uh, what was it? April, her birthday. We're doing do it again this yeah, year. Yeah, might do it again this year. So. Yeah, we'll do her birthday again this year. We'll probably go in November, too. I got to go more this year. Only one once, because I don't take any time off. I've been over this. I got to start taking some time off, yeah, man. Yeah, to go see Deva, that's not yeah, really seriously. time off. That's, right. Uh, you know. I mean, next week I'm taking a day or two off because it's Yum Kipper. Again, not exactly. It's like I'm going to Barbados right. or, or Mexico. You know? Right. You're not sipping cocktails on the beach. Right. And I do love that uh, little town of Cardiff, and I love the country, and... I love London. I'd move there tomorrow. Tomorrow. And I don't know if Ava's going to come back. I don't know what she's going to do. I talked about this earlier, too. She may live in London, maybe California, maybe New York. I don't know. And it was a long summer, you know. Again, if you're, if you're a big fan of the show, and you all are, you know what she went through, what we went through, me and Danielle. She had the face paralyzation, and it was a lot. It was a lot. How is she right now? Well, her face isn't paralyzed anymore. She's back to being beautiful, but she's got other issues. She's not completely healthy. She does take medication. In fact, we had to go to Dwayne Reed yesterday before she left to make sure she's going to be okay when she gets there. And, and again, that's part of the problem. You know, she's going to, she was accepted to Florida State. I could fly down to Florida in two and a half hours. I got family all over that state. But if she doesn't feel well in Wales, you know, I remember last year there was a dinner that the uh, Metropolitan Club held. You remember this? And they gave me an award, a Lifetime Achievement Award in Journalism. And they gave Rudy Giuliani an award that night, too. He was there. And the guy that had the computer, the Hunter Biden computer. And I had to leave right in the middle of Rudy's speech because Ava was in the hospital, in the ER, in Wales. And we freaked out. Like, what are we going to do? You know? 
So there's a lot that goes into this. It's My heart is happy, and I'm very proud of her. Top of her class, as a freshman last year, I posted that email from a professor months ago, which you all read. She exceeded all of our academic expectations. And she's a great kid, but there's just so much uh, anxiety and worry and, and all those things. And Unless you don't care, you know, unless you just, you know, go out with your buddies and play golf and bet on football and drink all day and don't care. That's not me. That's not me. So she gone, and um, I believe she's coming home Thanksgiving. She'll definitely be back for Christmas and New Year's. It's a nice little winter break, about three weeks. But that's it. Off to uh, year number two. So with that said, I know you're not listening, Ava Caroline Rosenberg. But I already miss you, and I love you. Back after this. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart. Then you can start to make it better. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC.
We're going to talk to the great Congressman Peter King. We're going to talk to Nigel Farage in London. I miss Joseph Abood. Jojo, you got to come in one of these days. I miss Joseph. He just sent me such a nice text. He's such a nice guy. He just hooked up uh, Lewis. I guess. Yeah, I just went down to uh, size up two suits. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. Yeah. No way. He's literally like no, I, styling I just, the entire no, crew. Justin and I are completely yeah. making it. I didn't even know any of this. Well, you don't know everything that's going well, on. Well, I, I guess I don't. No, I, I, I not only do not know everything, I know nothing. I eventually tell you everything, though. <laughs> eventually. Of course. We're in the yeah. car a lot. I tell you that. Then you are on the no. phone. Well, you... yes. When you and I have our alone time together, which I, I happen to love that. And oh. So I, part of the reason why <laughs> I, I uh, love doing the rallies with Curtis. Alone time. What is, yes. Yeah, you're, je- you're jealous, Justin. I know now. Yeah. Well, Lou kept uh, picking me up, and we would... Um, we would hang out together, you know, and we we have dinner together. And um, well, I love Lou. We've been friends for 25 years, more so. So that's great. But Abood writes to me here, that was beautiful. There is a special bond between a father and a daughter that if you have never experienced it, you'll never understand. I guess in our hearts, they will always be seven years old. That is true. Ava is a beautiful gift that God gave you and Danielle. And that is all true. All right, we're going to get to Peter King, and we're going to get to Nigel Farage. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Photographs and memories Christmas cards you sent to me All that I have are these To remember you Memories that come at night Take me to another time Back to a happier day When I called you mine But we sure had a good time when we started way back when Morning walks and bedroom talks are how I loved you then Summer skies and lullabies Another great Jim Croce song, Jim Croce Celebrating a heavenly birthday Killed in a plane crash 50 years ago today at the tender age of 30 which again, I'm shocked by, but excellent research by Lou Rafino and Joe Nolan. Nolan finding out that at the age of 30, already had eight top 40 hits, five top 10 hits, including this one, Autographs and Memories. So uh, God uh, rest in peace 50 years now for Jim Croce. Been a great show already. I mean, really great. Right? Brian Kilmeade and Curtis Sliwa, Rudy Giuliani, sending my beautiful daughter Ava off to college. And we still have two great guests to go, including this guy. What a day to have, uh, in my opinion, the two best politicians in my lifetime. If God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. And as far as I'm concerned, the two best New York politicians in my lifetime, and I did love Koch, Rudy Giuliani, and my next guest. Spent the better part of four decades as a great congressman out on Long Island. You have Homeland Security he worked for as well. A great American, my friend Peter King. Pete, good Wednesday morning, buddy. How are you? 
Sid, it's great to be with you. But one thing we got to get out of the way early on. First of all, it's always great to follow Rudy. Great friend, great American, being treated unbearably. What's happened to him is an absolute disgrace. But he'll fight back. He's a tough guy. But here's the thing. We were in Godzilla's over two months ago. Mm-hmm. You were there. Gabriel was there. My grandson Jack was there. And Melissa was there. And you promised her that you were going to set up this meeting with Joseph Abood for a friend of hers who has a Joseph Abood car. And you've done nothing. And she calls me all the time. I am caught between crazy Melissa <laughs> and crazy Sid. Now this morning, you undermine me all together. They say, how hey, you're texting back and forth with Joseph Abood. I thought he had disappeared somewhere. Well, and now he's back, and you've done nothing. Well, what you're, am I going to do? You're brilliant because, you're right, not even 10 minutes ago, I read a, a, a text on the air from Abood. So you know he's listening. You know he's listening. And now you've sent out the APB. What I did yesterday when I left my phone in the backseat of Gene's car. I said, Gene, the phone's in the car. So now Abood is uh, listening, and I'm sure he'll take care of that. Because, listen, you can piss me off. That's one thing. It's not a smart thing to do, but you can do it. Melissa, she's going to kill you, right, Pete? Absolutely. Uh, well, she would talk to you first, then kill you. Absolutely. No, no. So, no, oh, break. You two fight it out between the two of you. I'm out of it. All right, good. You're out. Great guy, but I'm out of this. I'm going to tell Melissa to leave you alone about this. You got you got enough to worry about. I mean, here you are. All right, you got enough. I mean, you're still involved with Homeland Security. You still go to Washington D.C. and you speak at some of these briefings. You talked about uh, ISIS Al Qaeda just a couple of weeks ago, and you post all these great things. And I mean this sincerely. Now, you post all this great stuff on social media, important stuff. And I love what you posted most recently, which is the president is here, made this rambling, basically incoherent speech at the U.N. Assembly yesterday about a whole bunch of stuff, including stuff like climate control, which is ridiculous. And yet he's in New York, which has become outside of Texas, obviously, the illegal capital of the country. And he refuses to sit with the mayor and try to do something about this. How does that happen, Peter King? It happens only in the world of Joe Biden. I mean, to me, this is such, not to me, to anyone in New York knows what a major issue this is, how this has to be resolved. And he is the ultimate cause. Listen, I'm I'm critical of Eric Adams. I'm critical of Kathy Hochul. But the fact is this all originated with Joe Biden opening up the border. I mean, under Donald Trump, whatever people say about Trump on either side, the fact is the border was controlled as it could be. And in fact, it was You'd have to search far and wide to find even stories in the newspapers about immigration at that time. It was under control. Now it's so totally out of control. It was seven million illegal immigrants are coming to the country under Joe Biden. And uh, again, it's not even being anti-immigrant because we are probably the most immigrant uh, country in the world. And our country is based with, on immigrants. The fact is it's not being done legally. The fact is it's just like a mass of mob, mobs coming in, taking over the neighborhoods in the city. And Joe Biden is the guy. He's the one. And when he was here, would it have been would have killed him to spend a half hour and actually sitting down with the mayor, sitting down with uh, a community representatives in a meeting? Go to Staten Island. Go out to Staten Island and sit down with Vito Fisella. You know, sit down with Joe Borelli. Sit down with uh, Nicole Miliotakis. Curtis. And, <laughs> and Curtis, yeah. yeah. And just tell them what the story is. They, they can go back and forth. But he, he's not even admitting it's an issue. Somehow he's... Uh, it's passing it off, and it's listen. New York is in bad enough shape uh, to have this added on to us. Remember, a year ago, a year and a half ago, you know, this was not a big issue uh, as far as we can see, and we were still worried about the future of New York coming out of COVID, the increase in crime, the George Floyd riots, all the things that are really damaged New York. And on top of all that, now 
we have this immigrant crisis. So it's, uh, no, it's me. It's a failure of leadership on his part. And listen, you can be a president and things can sneak up on you. Things can happen. The unexpected, you always have to, you always have to expect the unexpected. This was not unexpected. This was, he is the direct cause of the immigration crisis in New York. No, there's no question about it. And he's still here. I mean, he's here until tomorrow. He's got uh, a lot of activities today, a fundraiser at the Met. He's doing some other stuff. So he could find some time. I think he may meet with Hochul today. But the mayor, you know, listen, uh, and I'm very critical of Eric Adams. Very, very. But, I, you know, I do think he cares. And I, I do think if he had the opportunity to sit with the president, he would make a plea and a case to do something about it. But you know, it does go to show you, it doesn't matter how much you suck up to people. He walked around, Eric, and referred to himself as the Biden of Brooklyn and still to this day has never said Joe Biden by name. He says national government. He says federal government. You've never once, once heard Eric Adams be critical of the president. Even yesterday, he was upsetting to meet with the president. He was not critical. Maybe it's time, don't you think? Yeah, you know, party loyalty only goes so far. I can understand why in the beginning he didn't want to directly confront Joe Biden. They're in the same party. Figured maybe he'd get better results if he was more polite about it. But, you know, you got people like Ed Koch when he was mayor. He directly confronted Jimmy Carter. The fact is you have to go. There are certain times where you have to rise above party loyalty. It can only carry you so far. And what's happening now is I think Biden, like I can tell, Biden is taking advantage of the fact that He's a Democrat. Eric Adams is a Democrat. And we can saw, you know, they can also play this game together. I don't, I, I don't think Eric Adams wants to play a game, but that's the position that Joe Biden has put him in. So, uh, no, these are, these are bad times. This is, uh, uh, you know, you see what's going on out the streets. You see the reaction people have. Uh, and, again, I, it bothers me that Staten Island, you have the people in Staten Island who are now being pitted against the cops. And this is what's going to happen in our country. We're going to be divided, more and more divided. And let's be straighten our policies out. And the first clear thing you should do is seal that border. You know, don't say it can't be done. Donald Trump did it. Donald Trump did do it. Remain in Mexico and Title 42 and he built the wall. And uh, as I said just a couple of days ago, I can't remember one time, one time in the four years he was president sitting here with Bernard where I mentioned the word migrant or asylum seeker or, or illegal. Not once, not once. So, yes, this is absolutely a Democrat policy. That is ruining our city. So, Peter King, I get in this morning and uh, I see Frank Morano. Now, I don't know if you know this. I think you do. But Frank Morano has, uh, well, I've been with him on the Ukraine-Russia war in that this should have been over a long time ago. Stop giving him money and just get out. But what's funny is yesterday I had General uh, Keen on, you know. And Keen is right there with you. Yeah, Jack is right there with you and Jacobs and others. Very, very, very soon. Also, Brian Kilmeade, Rich Lowry. You know, we can down the line. Yeah, I mean, Lowry's a a war hawk. He's friends with John Bolton, but whatever. That's fine. Uh, Brian Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, yeah, Brian. Listen, very smart people, to your point, have agreed. So I said to Frank this morning, I said, I don't know, man. I said, a lot of smart people are telling me, you know. And he said, don't listen to them, don't listen, don't let them sway you. And then he named about three or four people I've never heard of, but they're captains and generals, I guess, and they're smart. And they feel the way he does and the way I do right now. But on a a really serious, serious note, I think Biden has bungled this. I do. I think he could have done a much better job, and he could have ended this thing before Putin even could have ended it. But I'm starting to think that maybe, 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 Maybe you're right, Pete. I don't know. I just maybe. maybe. No, I think, first of all, he did handle it wrong. You can't have it both ways. You can't say 
that this is a battle for Western civilization, and then wait wait months and months and months to send the weapons they need. I mean, you can't have it both ways, and uh, and that's what I think he's doing. And listen, I I don't want you know, uh, make this a partisan or personal issue. This is something that should be discussed intelligently, and I think that Joe Biden does send very mixed signals when it comes to Ukraine. And if you are basically asking the American people to support a war uh, and spend you know billions and millions of dollars then you have to make it clearer and you have to have a more defined policy. And uh, so far, he's failed on that. So well, I'll be going down to Washington tomorrow. I'll be meeting with some people, actually staff people who worked for me over the years. They're holding, because of COVID, there was never like a farewell party. So anyway, they're having a reception for me on the, okay. the, speaker's, uh, the speaker's balcony down there, which is uh, unusual because I, I was never really allowed on the speaker's balcony. Wow. Before. Wow. So anyways, I'm going down there tomorrow. Yeah, to That's really there. cool, actually. Congratulations. All these people will be coming, you know, 28 years of staff people. Because I was, I had my own office staff, did a great job. And then when I was chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, I had, you know, quite a few people there. So anyway, I'm looking forward to it. Ah, that's cool. You I'll deserve it. Some, yeah, and, you know, pick up some intel about what, what's going on down there. Yeah, exactly. Right now it seems chaotic. It is chaotic. And uh, i tell you how chaotic it is. Zelensky, this is unbelievable. You know, you expect Zelensky to talk to Biden and those types of things, of course. They're both in charge of their countries. But Zelensky actually urged, of all people, Donald Trump, don't waste time. Zelensky has asked the former president to share the Ukraine peace plan. Right now, Trump is on my side, which, again, I'm moving further and further away from, closer to your side. But how about Zelensky actually worried about what Donald Trump is thinking? What does that tell you about the possibility of Trump coming back in 2024? No, you know, there is a real chance right now. He is uh, by far and away. He's the Republican leader in the polls and Biden is very unpopular. So Donald Trump does have a good chance of coming back. But what Zelensky is even more concerned about, though, is the influence that Donald Trump would have over the Republicans in Congress. Uh, and you know, are they going to vote against the aid that uh, I think should go to Ukraine? So that I think is part of his concern. Listen, Zelensky and Donald Trump actually, you know, got along when it was uh uh, you know, Democrats were trying to say how uh, Trump had strong arms Zelensky and was threatening him. He went on, you know, national international television and said, no, the phone call was fine. I never felt threatened. So when in Donald Trump's hour of need, you know, Zelensky was there for him. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, I- I'm concerned about some of the Republicans in Congress who just seem determined to c- shut the government down. You know, uh, 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 Laura says it's you know, uh, looking like a clown show, and it is. Mm. We should win big. Next year, all we can screw it up right now is I think some Republicans who don't know when enough to claim victory or how to proceed and think strategically. I I guess you're talking about people like Chip Roy and Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't know how you feel, but uh, and I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I I spend a lot of time watching movies and sports, too. But uh, from what I see, I'm a pretty smart guy, actually. I think Kevin McCarthy is doing a pretty good job. What do you think? I I think he is. And the only distinction I would make, I don't know him well, I would separate Chip Roy out a bit from them. He's actually a very smart guy. But when it comes to Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bulbert and that crowd, to me, they are just, you know, living in their own world, but they, they, they have influence in social media. And uh, the fact that, you know, Republicans can't pass a defense authorization bill, the fact the government may shut down. I think, listen, Kevin McCarthy has like three or four votes to spare. I think we have 222 Republicans. One just had to retire because his wife is uh, terminally ill. Then you have Santos, who is almost useless. You have Steve Scalise, 
who's being treated for multiple myeloma. And there's some other, you know, so Kevin McCarthy has no votes to spare. And uh, so when he does put together an agreement, you can always find something in the agreement that sounds bad. And you can hop on that on social media. And that's what these people do. And, uh, again, uh, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Bobert and that crowd, that's not the face that the Republican Party needs if it wants to win in 2024. And uh, What do you so think I'm, about I'm this? About this about but this deal that they put forth here uh, sounds more like a Band-Aid than a real fix in terms of the government shutdown. And then on top of that, what do you think about the impeachment inquiry? And, and uh, you think we're getting close to that? And do you think eventually that uh, this is going to happen? Because it, it just seems like it's – I know they were, they were out for six or seven weeks, but it seems like it's taken forever. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, uh, the first question about the Band-Aid, without getting into the weeds, uh, what you have to do in these situations, if you're serious, is have like a 30-day cooling-off period, if you will. And that's what this resolution would be that they were talking about. It would be 30 days where you would uh, reduce spending somewhat, and then you try to negotiate you know, for the bigger deal that would come in, let's say, November or whatever. I don't know if, you know, if even that's, that, that's going to happen. But the Republicans have to realize we are not in the majority. We lost the presidency. We lost the Senate. We have a three-vote margin in the House. So you can't get everything you want. You can't undo everything that Biden has done when you're in the minority. So they have to realize you get what you can get. And that's what you know. good negotiations is about. Get more than you should be able to get and, and you take it and be smart enough to declare victory. As far as the impeachment, you know, I voted against Clinton's impeachment. I voted against Trump's impeachment. I think impeachment is a dangerous weapon to use. But I think Joe Biden has left the Republicans with no alternative. Between him and Merrick Garland, the way they've been stone, stonewalling, I think the only way you can get the uh, information out is by an impeachment inquiry, which is not an impeachment. It's looking for evidence to see whether or not, you know, there should be an impeachment, sort of like a grand jury. And to me, there's certainly enough probable cause when you look at all the, and I don't even talk about the gun charge. That's sort of the least of the things involving uh, Hunter Biden. But the family's entanglements with China and with Russia and with Ukraine before, all of that's out there. And to me, that warrants a full investigation. The only way you can get that information, I think, now is through an impeachment inquiry. So I support what Kevin McCarthy is trying to do. And again, rather than uh, realize this is a strategic victory for us politically and also the right thing governmentally, you have people like Matt Gates up in the House floor saying it's not enough. Let's go, you know, let's go right to impeachment. Well, you can't do that. If there was an impeachment vote today, Republicans would lose. They would not get 218 votes to remove Joe Biden from office. And so that would be a victory for Biden. That would end the impeachment right there. Kevin is trying to build it up so that there will be enough evidence and enough public attention that there will be 218 votes to go forward. To have a vote now is to just guarantee a victory for Joe Biden. So some of these Republicans will be on Joe Biden's payroll because they are helping him. You have to do this incrementally. It's funny. So, to do that. so on the way out, I want to do one uh, local story. I had Brian Kilmeade on earlier, a Massapequa guy, of course. And uh, he started off the conversation with me by giving credit to Brookhaven and then ice the bay because it turns out that, uh, you know, they want to take down all the George Washington statues and TJ and Clinton and all these are uh, not Bill, by the way. Uh, they want to take down all these statues. And I guess uh, the folks in charge in Brookhaven said, well, give them to us. George Washington Romaine, was great. Running for county executive. Ed Romaine said he will take the statues. Joe Saladino and Oyster Bay. He is a big Christopher Columbus fan. He's a great guy. 
between Romaine and Saladino, Oyster Bay and Anna Brookhaven are really leading the way. And by the way, with fentanyl, with crime, with migrants, what's the city council working on? How many statues they can take down of George Washington, Christopher Columbus? Absolute insanity. That's a good point, the way you put that. Perfect way to wrap this up. And the people on Long Island, like Staten Island, you guys are absolute heroes. Pete, another great discussion. We covered a lot. I love you. We'll do it again next week. Be well, and congratulations. I'm not, not going to love you unless you can hold the Joseph Booth. <laughs> I'll take care of it, I promise. You go enjoy your party in D.C. tomorrow. I'll talk to you in a couple of days, okay? Thank you, sir. Have right a great on. time. All right. The great congressman right there, Peter King. And that, wrap ups, uh, that wraps up, I should say, three hours of great radio. Great radio. And the good news is we ain't done yet. In fact, we're going to go across the pond where my daughter is right now. Right now, it is uh, 2 o'clock in London. So Ava's probably sitting down having some lunch. And we'll talk to Nigel Farage, who basically is the Sid Rosenberg in London. He is a conservative talk show host. Very, very, very popular. You've heard him on this station between me and John many, many times. Donald Trump loves him. He's a colorful character. He's great. So we'll wrap up uh, the next hour with Nigel Farage and take you to 10 o'clock when Brian Comede comes your way. More of Sid and Friends in the Morning coming up after Gnome with the news. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Ava's in London this morning, and uh, Nigel Farage is going to call in. Actually, we're going to call him in London at 930. And I think Ava's going to Liverpool in like two weeks. So, you know, Jim Croce died on this day, so we played a bunch of Jim Croce songs. And a lot of times when we play music on this show, there is some historical significance to it. But I said with Ava in the U.K. and probably going to Liverpool in about two weeks, Let's throw some Beatles in there. So he gave me Hey Jude earlier, and now, some of this. Have you ever been to London or the UK, Lou? I haven't. You haven't? Have you ever gone anywhere but Catatonia in upstate New York? No, I refuse. 
No, he's in Italy twice. Thought you were not. Okay, you... right. You you got it. Right. <laughs> yes, I, I'm lying. Why did you go to Italy? Um, well, my girlfriend at the time wanted to go. Oh, so this is before MJ. Well, yeah, it's way before MJ. Yes. The I'm same not... girl took you twice to Italy? Uh, no, I went another time. Two different chicks. Yeah, it's yeah, going to get you in so much trouble this segment. Were they both Italian? No, it's not. It's, no, she wasn't Italian at all. So why'd you go to Italy? Well, she, I think she, truthfully, I think she wanted to use some of my money so that she could go. And then <clears throat> when we got back shortly thereafter, uh, she dumped me. Is that right? Pretty much. The went, sex was that bad in Rome? Uh, she, she was in some weird, weird place when we yeah. got to Rome. What place and, was that? Like a restaurant? Oh, you no, mean like no, a mental place? No, Rome. It was just. You know, I thank you. I went to Italy. Thank you. I went to Italy a couple of years ago. You know, okay. sorry. So, Justin, know. I'll talk to you. <laughs> so, my friend uh, Chris uh, was my friend. He's not my friend anymore. He got divorced. My, my wife's best friend, a whole big, big thing. But his family owned a villa in a little town in Italy. Uh, Itri is the name of it. Itri. And uh, the villa's on this uh, cliff. It's like a $25 million home. It's absolutely gorgeous. And just driving up there, you, put your, you took your life into your own hands, and driving down was equally as dangerous. And there was a town right at the very bottom of this hill, and there was a meat store. I'll never forget this. There was a meat store in this town. And what was the name of that town? His villa was in Itri. And the town was Gaeta, Gaeta. And in this meat store, every Saturday morning, you would see a bunch of people populate outside the meat store. And it turns out they were all Romanians. And you know how, like, the Asian people take buses from Canal Street to Atlantic City? Well, these Romanian people were going home, and they meet at the bottom, you know. And we would go, go shopping and buy food and go back to the villa, but we decided, uh, I guess, to take like a two-day excursion. So I did Rome, and I did the uh, the Coliseum, and I loved that movie with Russell Crowe, Gladiator. So I just, you know, envisioned the lions and, and all the other battles that went on there. No cool place. It still looks great. And then we went over to Capri, and I loved Capri. I absolutely loved it. But I haven't done a lot of Italy. Like, I've never done Venice. I've never done Florence. I've never done... Eva, for example, my daughter, she's unbelievable. She went to Ibiza, Spain, for her birthday, left me and her mother in London last year. She's going to Positano in a couple of weeks. Never did that. There's a whole bunch of uh, beautiful places I've never done. So I've only made one trip to Italy, and I did Naples, Rome, Capri, Itri, and Gaeta. And you did, uh, what were the cities again? Rome, what else, Lou? Florence. Florence. And um, something between the two of them. I forgot the town name. Alec, you've been to Italy, right? Yeah, I studied abroad in London. I said Italy, you moron. Yeah, but I've been to Italy. It's, yeah. yeah. You go to all those places. But what did, uh, what did you do in London? You started a what? I studied abroad for four and a half months. <laughs> what was the name? You started a coup. That is funny. <laughs> That's a funny one out of you. He studied abroad in, in uh, London for about four months. You get it? You see, I see what you did there. Now, where, where did you study? What school was that? 
Uh, the, the program was. Uh, what school was it? It wasn't a school. We didn't do it through a school. It was. Right. It was. Well, a, I mean, this is more like a lie. Every couple was, of seconds. No, it was a build. It was a building that was all American students that came from America to study abroad. And there was no school affiliated with it. Not right. Mean, just in I some mean, we building. Had, we had access to a campus somewhere. I can't remember the school's name. You can't remember the school's name. No, I, I was drunk and high the whole time. Was it King's around. College? Uh, no. you don't know. No, it was not. <laughs> yeah. It was not King's College. It wasn't King's College. It was, okay. No. Uh, it was, was that the only time you went to London? Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. I have not been back. Right. And what about you, Noam? You travel quite a bit. Yeah. I've been to Italy a couple times, and I had a brother that lived in London for seven or eight years, so we went there a bunch of times. No, what about London? What about it? Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. I had a brother that lived there. Oh, so I thought I you meant to... Italy. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. He lived there, so we used to go visit him. Do you like it there? Oh, London's a great city. It yeah. really is a great city, right? Uh, Italy, I haven't. Been, I always want. I haven't been to Sicily. That's the next place. I've never gone to Sicily either. Yeah, but I've been to Third uh, Avenue and Bay Ridge. It's close. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it is. <laughs> Might be nicer. Well, yeah. I tell you, last time we went to London, we uh, we picked Ava up in in Wales, and um, it was her birthday. And then we went to London, and she was leaving from London that trip to go to Spain. I just told you, to Ibiza. And we stayed at the Waldorf, which is really nice. The one here in the city, I know they're rebuilding it. But is that open? Is it nice again? What's the deal with the it's Waldorf? It's going to be condos. So it's not going to be a hotel anymore I don't think any part of it's going to be a hotel. You're it's gonna kidding. It's going to be condos. Well, the one, the, the Waldorf in London is beautiful, and it's right in the heart of the theater district. So, for example, at the time, and it's probably still the case, the Lion King was like a block away. Mama Mia was at the end of the block to the left, and Tina Turner's, God rest her soul, her Broadway show was to the right. So it's a pretty hopping area. You got all these shows there, and you got great restaurants, and some beautiful hotels. And... I said this when I got back. You could eat off the streets. Eat off the streets. And you walk around here. I mean, I only walk a couple of blocks now. I used to walk all the way down to Grand Central. That's like a seven-block walk. Now I do two blocks, two blocks, literally. I go from 49th to 51st and Lex. And the amount of garbage, and this isn't a bad neighborhood, not by any stretch. The amount of garbage I see on the street and discoloration of the sidewalk is enough to make anybody nauseous. And I just don't understand it. Why? Why does it have to be that way? Why? Can somebody tell me? Somebody? Hello? Can somebody tell me why it has to be that way? No. It's just it's what it's become. I don't, I don't have a good explanation for you. Yeah. There's no reason for it. Because, really, New York is a beautiful city. We, we know all the great things we've got here. We got better restaurants here than than ten Londons. It's not even close. There's no place in the world that has better dining than New York. The energy is outstanding. The buildings are impressive. It's a beautiful city, but it's not a beautiful city now. Well, it's funny you say that. I have family who's in now from Los Angeles. And they're just raving about it. Well, have you been to L.A. lately? Because I have. Well, they're in like a nice, they're Redondo Beach, which is a great little oh, town. Oh, and, and they're still impressed with New York. Yeah, they just raving about Central Park. And well, you, that is you, know, you see it with different Park. eyes when you come as a tourist. Yeah, I guess. I mean, look, I, I lived on the Upper West Side all those years. You guys know that. We worked together. 
I was on 104th and West End. I had Riverside Park to my left, which is still a lovely park. I had Central Park to my right. Even Morningside Park is a cute park. Of course, when I was living there, that's when that young female student was murdered trying to buy weed in the park one day. That was a horrible story. But, yeah, no, it's impressive. If you come from another city and you go into those parks, they're very, very nice. But you have to go during the daytime unless you die. <laughs> so it kind of takes away from it just a little bit, wouldn't you think? Yeah, just a little. <laughs> so, all right. We're going to talk to uh, Nigel Farage. We're going to go to London, where my daughter is as we speak, and talk to the top radio host, the top conservative radio host in England. He's been on before. He's a great guest. My friend Nigel Farage, he coming up on this, the Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Beautiful day here in New York City, your Wednesday morning. And we've been listening all morning long from the very top at 6 a.m. You know what my day was like yesterday, late in the afternoon. Daniela and I shipped off our daughter, Ava, back to Wales, back to Cardiff, year two of a three-year plan after a tremendously successful freshman campaign in Wales. She was home for the better part of five months, long time. But that day finally came yesterday, and she left last night and landed in London at Heathrow 
at 3.33 a.m. local time this morning, which, by the way, is about 8.30 a.m., five hours ahead in London. And, in fact, right now is probably having lunch somewhere in London because it's about 2.30 in the afternoon there. She's going to uh, stay in London and have dinner and then make her way back to Wales, which on that fast train is about a 90-minute ride, and meet up in her new house. She stayed in uh, a building close to the campus last year. This year she's got she's literally staying in like a big, beautiful house with five housemates. But she's in London as we speak, and so is my next guest. I love this guy. I saw him for the first time on television. I told him this many times years ago. During a, uh, it was a Trump rally. I think it was Seattle. I think it was. I'm not even positive, but I think it was. And uh, this guy comes walking out with his British accent. This Nigel Farage. He was already a big star at the time, but you know, I don't. I don't know a lot of people. I was doing sports most of my career, and I'm like, who's this guy? This guy's great. And then now, years later, he's become a friend of mine. He's been on this show a couple of times, and I figured, hey, talking to Suzanne, of course. I figured, hey, if um. Not Suzanne, Alexandra, I'm sorry. If Ava is in London today, why not talk to somebody else in London today? So here he is, the biggest radio star in the U.K., and beloved by Americans like me all over this country, the brilliant Nigel Farage. Nigel, good morning, buddy. Good morning, New York. And i got something in common with you, because your daughter's in London, and my 18-year-old daughter is in Washington, D.C. So there you go. The pond is a very small place. <laughs> what, what is the big, uh, differ- the big difference is yeah. it's, sunny, it's sunny in New York this morning. And here in London, and this will not surprise an American audience, it is raining. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is, is I've been to London quite a bit now, especially the last couple of years. Even before Ava decided to go to Wales, Nigel, we made a bunch of trips to London and I've never been there when the weather hasn't been nice. Isn't that weird? Well, I know. But this, this is the American perception. The American perception of London is that it's always rainy, <laughs> it's always foggy, it's always <laughs> miserable. Because, of course, we are. I mean, let's face it. We're a, you know, we're a mid-Atlantic island, you know. But today fits the stereotype that most New Yorkers have. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we do have a uh, sunny, gorgeous day. So uh, I know my daughter is in, uh, in London on her way to college. Why is your daughter in Washington, D.C.? What is she doing here? She's got over um, after her exams and before university, and uh, she's interning. She's interning um, in uh, Washington for an American politician. Um, not one, I can assure you, of left-wing persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, well, the last time I went to London, I remember I was... Um... I was staying in a hotel. What hotel was it? Oh, the Waldorf. I, I said it earlier. And uh, they, they had the BBC on TV in the, in the morning. You know, I'd come down with my coffee and whatever. And uh, I kept asking people, I want to put Nigel on, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I came to find very, very quickly that much like New York, you see, I live in a, in a neighborhood in Queens where I can't walk out of the house, Nigel, without people taking pictures and honking their horns. They love me like Trump. But here in New York City, when I walk around, they look at me like I'm the devil. And I didn't realize this, but you sort of get a lot of the same reception that I get when I ask well, people about yeah. you in London. Yeah, I've just had lunch. I've just finished lunch in one of the oldest pubs in London. And uh, I was sitting there. And a couple came in and sat at the next table. And they looked at me, and they asked to be moved. <laughs> <laughs> 
See? That's exactly what they say. They go, Nigel? Oh, yeah. no. But you, know, but, you know, who cares? Who cares? Because the truth is, the truth is, in the center of our big cities, we've got this metropolitan elite. You know, they're all well off. They're all white. They've all got these bizarre ideas about the world. Um, but, you know, once you get away from that and meet real people, the truth is we are in a majority. We just need to wake up and realize it. No, you're right about that. I totally agree. And also not just wake up and realize it, but not be afraid to say it. But I'm curious, before we get to Donald Trump and my government, which you know more about than most Americans, you know, you've had uh, quite a run there. You had about three prime ministers in three weeks and you had all those changes in parliament. And, of course, Boris, uh, you know, he stepped down at some point. So what does government look like? And King Charles, of course, is not a, really a government figure. But at any rate, he was, uh, you know, he was coronated uh, last year. What does government look like in your country today? So 10 years ago, I was asked by the BBC on, on, on an interview um, where with most of the questions, I was treated like a war criminal, obviously. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and, and I was asked, what did I want to achieve with my UKIP revolutionary movement, a political revolution, peaceful revolutionary movement. And I said, I want to cause an earthquake in British politics. Well, you know what? I did that. It was called Brexit, and they couldn't cope with it. And that's why we've had lots of prime ministers, lots of finance ministers. Uh, and now we finished up with this guy, Rishi Sunak, who no one's ever voted for, but hey, he's there. But in two hours' time, we are going to get one of the biggest policy statements we've seen in Britain for 30 years. Wow. He is going to do a volt fast on the whole net zero agenda. He is going to say, after 2030, for several years, we can go on buying petrol and diesel cars. He's going to say, if you live out in the rural areas, you can keep your oil tank. He's going to say, you know, you don't need to get some ludicrous heat pump on the side of your house that cost you a blooming fortune. <laughs> there was a big U-turn coming this afternoon. The whole Westminster consensus has been obsessed that carbon dioxide is somehow a pollutant. I mean, quite how it's a pollutant when you pump it into greenhouses to make tomatoes grow, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, so actually, we're beginning to see, we're beginning to see a, a failing Conservative government finally get just a little bit more conservative. And I found, out, I found out a fact yesterday that a firm called Huawei, they're a Chinese energy company, right? They produce more carbon dioxide, that one company, than the whole of the UK every single wow. year. Wow. Every single year. So we're beginning to get, you know, some signs. Um, and I, you know, I did my stuff in politics. I'm now doing it on media and social media. Um, the good thing is they're all terrified of me, as they should be. Um, and, and we are beginning. But, I mean, basically, basically, we've finished up with a conservative movement that could have been run in America by Mitt Romney. You know? Yeah. That whole, yep. that whole kind of thing. You know, we've not had the right. And, and Boris was an attractive fella. You know, he's, he's, he's uncombed hair and he's quite witty and... Uh, he can't answer a straight question how many kids he's got. So he's sort of a rogue, but he's vaguely amusing. But on policy, he's been a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suspect we're heading next year down more of a socialist route. 
Um, I think the conservative brand's been damaged. But I think America's in a very different place. Um, I think that I think that Trump, for all his difficulties, um, and my goodness me, they've made his life hard. Um, I just think, you know, and I've had a 40-year association with your great country. I worked for American companies. I've been involved with American politics and media, and I love America. Um, and, and I just think the time is right now uh, for Trump to become number 47. Yeah, so do I. And, and uh, Donald and I have gotten uh, pretty close. He was on the show two weeks ago. He's been on twice over the last three months. I know you and he, you and he are very close. He loves you. Loves you. And I think you're right, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But before we get to Trump, one last thing on your country. We yeah. talk a lot in the United States about China. That's our number one enemy. I know people say it's Russia. It's not. It's China. And part of that is this Ukraine-Russia war, which we know that China's watching very, very closely to see what the Ukrainians do, to see what the United States does. So that could be a proxy on that as well. In the streets of London or the U.K., where you are, Nigel, is a lot of talk about China being the world's number one enemy and how do you feel about the Ukraine-Russia conflict? You've got to understand that we're 3,000 miles closer to this than you are. And you go another 1,000 miles further east and you speak to people in Estonia or Poland. I mean, they are terrified of Russia uh, because of the Soviet past and everything else. So that's an important thing to understand. Um, I cannot condone what Putin has done in any way at all. But equally, equally... The narrative that we're getting from Biden, from Trudeau, from Rishi Sunak, from the Western leaders, that we must keep arming Ukraine, arming Ukraine, arming Ukraine, and putting young men from both sides into a meat grinder of a war that is leading to casualties we've not seen in Europe since World War I strikes me as morally wrong. And I think we need to have someone's got to stand up. I mean, Zelensky was at the UN yesterday saying, don't talk to the Russians. But you know something? All through history, wars end with some kind of resolution. So I don't support what Putin's done, but I do, unlike our leaders at the moment, support a peace negotiation. We need to talk peace. We cannot go on seeing these tens of thousands of young boys being killed every month. It's that horrible. You know, you brought up Donald Trump earlier and talking about Ukraine-Russia. And uh, a lot of us in this country feel this way. I know I do. A lot of us do. If Donald Trump, Nigel, would have won again in 2020 and served that second term, he thinks he did. He thinks the election was rigged. That's all the story. Um, if he was still president, you know, you know in your heart of hearts, you're a smart guy, that there's no way in a million years, million years, Putin would have gone into Ukraine just like there's no way in a million years the Chinese would even flirt with starting a war with Taiwan. So why would anybody want... Right? Right. No, it would never have happened. It would never, ever have happened. And he and I have talked about this, you know, one-on-one, often over the course of the last couple of years. It would never have happened. The trouble is, America finished up with a president who was a complete old duffer, no idea (laughs) what he was doing, no idea what he was doing, and he unilaterally withdrew, withdrew... 3,000 troops from Afghanistan. They weren't fighting in the front line. They were helping the Afghanistan army. He handed, he handed Afghanistan back to the very same Taliban we'd fought at great cost for 20 years. And you know what? Pro rata 
on size of population, we put in every dollar and every human life that you put in, all right? We stood with you all the way in this, equally. We're smaller, but equally, we did. And Biden handed it back, and Putin thought, with Biden in charge, the West is finished. So, no, no, we can lay a huge amount of blame at Biden's door. But it's becoming clearer to me, uh, not only is he an old duffer, but he's frankly senile. <laughs> Nobody in America is telling the truth about this. Everyone's playing this with kid gloves. The Republicans won't say it because they fear that if the 25th Amendment got moved, he'd be booted out. He's their greatest asset. Uh, the Democrats are holding faith within their own tribe with Biden. But I predict that within the next couple of months, you're going to see um, Democrat senators and congressmen and women coming out saying Biden must go. We cannot, we cannot go on with the leader of the Western world being this total numbskull. Well, I agree with you, but believe it or not, his approval rating in a lot of these states is 50%. And again, I maintain if I walked around, uh, you know, greater London this morning, they would say he's not doing a bad job. And if he is doing a bad job, at least he's not as bad as Trump. And that's the, that's the psychosis that these deranged people are living with every day. I'll ask you this. Uh, you're down on Biden. So am I. I think he's a creep. He's demented. He's corrupt. He's a lot of bad things. Uh, who is uh, less popular for Nigel Farage? Joe Biden or Meghan Markle? Oh, you've got me. You've got me. You've got me. The first question in 25 years I can't answer. <laughs> oh, it's, it's got to be Meghan because it's got to be Meghan because, you know, presidents come and presidents go. All right. But the royal family, you know, have been on our throne and heads of the Commonwealth, don't forget that, 2.2 billion people. Um, the royal family matters to the English-speaking world. And the damage that bleep, 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 bleep <laughs> woman. <laughs> but wait, but, 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 but don't you... It but, is breakfast. It is breakfast. I know, but, 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 you know, for all the people that blame Meghan Markle, and she's all those things you just said, okay, fine. Isn't the person more to blame Harry? He's the prince? Well, come on. I know, I know. I mean, I know, I know about I, being pussy-whipped, I, I get it, but come on, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I get it. She's the poison. She's the poison. She put the poison in the apple, and Harry was stupid enough to eat it. All right, and that's how I put it. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Um, and you can't blame him, by the way. She's a beautiful girl. But, I mean, is is that uh, kind of, uh, well, not over yet, but is it losing some steam or is the Megan? Oh, yes. It is. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. oh, look. You know, I mean, you know, we are bored to death with them here in the UK. Right. And my sense, and my sense is that out in L.A., even the lovers in L.A. realize there are a couple of pretty boring dudes <laughs> who've got very, very little to offer. So I, I think the end's coming. <laughs> so if I was listening to you, what a great conversation. I think you're a genius. I really do. Um, if I was listening to you the day after Princess Diana was tragically killed, would I have heard a Nigel that said, oh, my God, what a horrible accident? Or would I have heard a Nigel that would have said, something looks fishy to me? No, I always take the view in the world, um, if you look back through history, I always take the view that cock-up is more likely than conspiracy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, the driver was drunk. 
uh, the, the, you know, the paparazzi were on their tail. Uh, did she, with Dodi Fayyad, present a potential threat to the monarchy? Yes, she did. Um, although, you know, whatever her stupidities, you've got to remember this. She was 19 years old. She was put into an arranged marriage with the future King of England. That's what it was. He could never even bring himself in public to say that he loved her. Uh, he carried on a relationship with a, with, with a former girlfriend, stroke fiance. Uh, I think we need to feel, on a human level, just a little bit of sympathy for where Diana found herself. I think I do. Well, let's wrap this up with Trump, because that's where I found you. And, uh, boy, I'm happy I did. And he has a huge lead right now, as you know, Nigel, better than anybody in that Republican primary race. He's going to win that. And now the question yeah. becomes, who's he going to face? You know, well, most of the smart people I speak to don't think Biden makes it between his health issues and the fact that he's corrupt. They think he goes away. Now they're having a hard time telling me, is it going to be Gavin Newsom? Is it going to be Kamala Harris? Do they convince Michelle Obama? They don't know. What do you think the future holds for Trump and who does he beat? Well, it can't be Kamala Harris. I mean, she's utterly useless. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious me. I mean, I mean, Biden's better than her. And so it can't be her. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's a complete, absolute, total impossibility, I would have thought. So it can't be her. Um, I, you know, looking at the field of runners and riders, um, I, my money's on Gavin Newsom uh, because he's younger and he's media-friendly. But he has to tell America that he's not going to ten, turn the whole of America into California with its drugs problem, its homelessness, its crime, its fading education system, its tax rates, its fleeing of people. And they're moving off to Colorado, to Texas, to Florida, to Europe, wherever they go. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Newsom's the best they've got. But how does he fight? How does he fight? Does he? I mean, does the whole of America want to become like Los Angeles? Uh, that's where I think this debate's going, and that's why I still think. That's why I still think Trump will win. So do I. So interesting that uh, you know so much about this country. I once kind of joked with you and said, maybe we'll switch places one week, and you'll do this show, <laughs> and I'll do your show. But the problem is, really, outside of London and Wales. Oh, actually, I did work out once at an Equinox uh, by Wimbledon. Uh, I forget exactly what uh, the town that was. But I know nothing about uh, the country. And you know everything about my country. So we can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we can't. Well, as I said to you, you know, I, I started work in 1982 working for a Wall Street company. Uh, I spent 20 years working for American companies. I was a transatlantic commuter on a weekly basis for over 20 years. I've spent much of my life in America. I've traveled it widely, extensively. I believe that the bond between our countries culturally, you know, whether it comes to music, art, literature, conversation, language, um, you know, we are so close. It's almost unbelievable. Agreed. The only problem we've got, the only bloody problem we've got, is that when I come to America, as I regularly do, people talk about my British accent, and I'm really sorry. I haven't got the accent you have. <laughs> and by the way, I'm really sorry I haven't got the accent you have. <laughs> but uh, you, you are great. Hey, listen, you got to keep coming on. You're, you're really tremendous, terrific, fantastic. And when I get to London to go see Ava in November, I'm going to come by and uh, see at the studios. Okay, pal? We, no, 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 you're not doing that. We're no. going out for dinner. Oh, even better. All right, it's a date, <laughs> Nigel. Thank you so much. <laughs>
you. We'll talk soon. Take care. There he is. Is that guy the best or what? Nigel Farage, the absolute best. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Like the pine trees lining the winding road. I've got a name. I've got a name. Like a singing bird in the croaking toad. I've got a name, I've got a name And I carry it with me like my daddy did But I'm living the dream that he kept here Ripping me down the highway Rolling me down the highway that last great conversation with Nigel Farage, live from London, brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks from Peerless Spoilers. Check them out today and every day, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. And once again, on the way out, as we continue to pay tribute all morning long, happy heavenly birthday to that great singer, Jim Croce, who died 50 years ago today. At the tender age of just 30, Jim Croce. That'll do it. Excellent job, Lou Rafino. Just money, baby. You are money. Justin Ellis, great. Noam Layton, fantastic. I've got the best radio crew in the business. It's not even close. Enjoy your Wednesday, folks. It's a gorgeous day in New York City. God willing, as Gene would say, we'll all be back at 6 a.m. on a Thursday morning. Until then, from all of us to all of you, I love you, Avon.